looking at a concert outside like that. Like I've been to country concert, I've been to um, Riverbend, mm-hmm. much bigger, you know, events or whatever. But this was just so cool. You had the, like the city, like you could see the buildings and everything behind, all lit up. Great American Ballpark, everything. It was so cool. I had a blast last night. I'm not a big Brad Paisley fan, but I really did enjoy that like outside concert feel. Like so now I'm like obsessed. I'm like now I'm like looking to go to as many. We're gonna go see who we got coming up. Uh, I don't know. Nora has us loaded up with some concerts <laughs> coming up here. I'm pretty excited. How'd you like five, five five this week? Actually, now, you know why I didn't mind it? Because I finally got my car fixed. And ah. my, car, my car used to not be after my car wreck. I couldn't take it on the highway. But after investing all the hard-earned dollars that I've earned here at WING into the car to get it up and running, I took that baby up and down I-75 yesterday a few times to make sure that Nora was happy. So there you go. <laughs> I'm going to see Boys the Men at the Phrase Wednesday. night. I'm bummed. I didn't know she was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Uh, that's like just like one of our things, like you know these legends of music and everything like that. When they're local, when they're here in town, I mean, this is like a no-brainer. She was on the Breakfast Club last week, mm-hmm. and she had talked about was it Charlemagne? Is that his name? Yeah. So she had said something about. She goes, you know, I, I, you know, I've put on a lot of pounds in my right, and he goes, he goes, yes, ma'am, and then she goes, I'm gonna slap the hell out of you. Like she went across, <laughs> I was dying laughing at that, but I had no clue she was gonna be a date. That's really cool. But yeah, concert season's wrapping up here in the next month or so. So, but uh, you know, there you go, one season to another, football season. Football, what's that? Oh, football, that's right. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Justin Kinner Sports Show with Kevin Nash, right? Like, uh, let's get to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we welcome you. First of all, busy weekend, a lot going on. How about this? The Reds, last week I went on this little rampage. I had checked out of the Reds. I don't get it, Kev. I, I don't trust my instincts anymore. <laughs> when I invest into the Reds, they let me down. And when I check out on them, they do their thing. Remember last year, you still joke all the time about how last year I was ripping the Reds every single day. I ended up going on vacation, uh, <laughs> went to Pensacola last year, come back, and they were in the playoffs. And it's like every time I mentally check out on a team, because I didn't watch them the whole time I was there, I just check out. When I check out on a team, it's when they take off, or at least, you know, the Reds anyway, because the Browns, I'm all in, baby. And so are they. <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, they're right now having one game lead in the playoff in that final wild card playoff spot, uh, and which is pretty dang cool. The Reds uh, completed the sweep of the Marlins yesterday. Yep. So I was at Great American Ballpark, and I'm a little disappointed in Reds fans. Now I'm a hypocrite because you know all I do is sit here and, and rip the Reds, and then I'm going to tell you why you're letting them down. Um, that ballpark yesterday, Kev, it's been a. L- I can't tell you the last time I watched a meaningful game in August. At Great American Ballpark. Mm-hmm. The Reds completed the sweep yesterday. It was empty. Really? Great American Ballpark was empty. And I just don't get it. Reds fans, you've been waiting for a winner. Now, this got me thinking. Like, this is how... I know a lot of times teams like to hide behind, oh, the team made the playoffs, so we're doing our job. This got me thinking yesterday. I think that sometimes that there are other metrics you have to use to gauge team success. And it's the simplest of all. It's the fans. That's how you have to gauge team success. Now, if you want to gauge it based on business purposes, money, ticket sales, that type of thing, fine. But that's not good right now. That's why I'm thinking yesterday, I'm like, you know, you know how you could gauge whether or not this Reds team is for real or not is listening to the fans. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to mathematically be in a playoff hunt, but your fans are telling you we're still not buying it. Isn't that a problem? Like your fans are telling like, so the fans tell UD basketball. Even when you're struggling, we love you. Mm-hmm. We're going to put 13,000 fans in that arena through, you know, through the Gregory years, through the, you know, we're going to we're going to fill up that arena. We are going to be passionate. We're going to be loud. We are going to be excited. That's how you know the success of that program is at an all-time high is cuz even when they're down, 
Their fans are invested. And you that has to be the metric right there. The fans are telling the front office of Cincinnati right now that still you're still not cutting it. You're still not doing it. And that's what I find interesting a little bit here is because here's why like fans aren't stupid. Some are delusional. All right. I know that the Cincinnati water has to be a little off. I mean, the, the football fans in Cincinnati are a little off. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is, is that you have to listen to the fans. What that told me yesterday was for a late August game in the playoff push. In fact, as of yesterday, they're officially in that. You know, that they were, they're not tied. They're not a game out, a half game out. They are officially in. Right. And no fans there hardly at all. I mean, empty red seats galore. And I know it's hot. But you know what? It's hot in San Diego, and they sell their stadium out. All right, the Dodgers, I know it's a different market, but you know what I mean? Like, Cincinnati, what gives? Reds fans, what gives? Why do you believe Great American is so empty when this team is playing meaningful baseball in August? We've been cracking the jokes about how I can't remember the last time they were relevant out of the month of April. And yet, here they are, deep into August, in the playoffs, in a legitimate 162-game regular season. Last year, I kind of discredited it a bit, just because it didn't feel like a, a real baseball season. But this is the real deal this year. They're hang- they're holding their own. But I truly believe that the fans are still telling the front office, we're not yet buying in. That this team still has too many flaws. That we still don't like how this team is constructed. We still don't like how this team is playing. I don't know how else to, to word it. In no other sport, Kev, can I think of an example where fans don't turn, don't turn up to watch a winning team. The Bengals get Joe Burrow, win six games in two years, and yet they're still trying to convince everybody that there's optimism and that there's hope and that there's excitement. So the Bengals have at least a better threshold. They have a better stranglehold on their fans than the Reds do on theirs. UD could be... They they could be number three in the country, or they could be number number ten in the A ten. It doesn't matter. Those fans are filling out that place because that's the love and the passion and the excitement that they have for their program. Ohio State. It doesn't matter if they're playing Akron, Miami of Ohio, or Oregon. 110,000 in the shoe. It is absolutely fascinating to me, Kev, to watch the Reds fan base just not turn up for their team. I don't get it. Um, and that's why I'm like, you know, I know that the Reds can, the front office could sit there and say, well, we're in the playoff hunt. That's all you can ask for. But at the same time, you also got to listen to your fans. Your fans are telling you we're still not buying in. And I know that sounds crazy because you could sit back and say, well, we made the playoffs. But even in the NBA, look at those situations, Kev. Even the fans of those NBA teams, especially those teams that make it to the play-in teams and the bottom of the standings teams. Sometimes they don't buy in either. Oh, we're a playoff team, but like, look at the gap between us and the number one seed. Like, we're not—we might be a playoff team, but the chances of us winning a playoff series or a championship are negative ten percent. Let the fans tell you what kind of job you're doing. Don't let the math of the standings tell you that you're great, because clearly the fans aren't buying in. And I don't know how, what else to say about that. Um, how much does weather play into you going to game? Uh Seeing as I sat in the handlebar yesterday, it's a lot easier for me to say how great it was, but, you know, but I did find it interesting. Uh, I did find it interesting. Uh, the heat bothers me. I don't like to show up for the heat, but at the same time, it's a summer sport. Right. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it does impact it to a certain extent, but, I mean, again, we're talking about the playoffs, late August. We're heading into September. Usually we're talking about September call-ups and everything coming up here in a few weeks, and this team is hold, they're holding down a playoff spot as we sit here right now. 
What about the opponent that they're playing? I mean, they're playing the Marlins for good sakes. Well, I guess that. that's the pros and cons of bragging about playing the <laughs> right. Like they have yeah. like the second easiest schedule in Major League Baseball for the final month and a half. So maybe that has something to do with it too. Good points. Look at Kev coming in here debunking I, every. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at yesterday's attendance. It was seventeen thousand seven hundred ninety-seven paid attendance. Do you think it was that many people actually in the stadium yesterday? Maybe by the end. Maybe. I don't know. And this was By a, the middle of the game, I should say. But at the beginning, like first pitch, I sat there and I was like, oh, they're doing the national anthem. I'm like, oh, it's almost first pitch time. Because like, I thought, like, I, you know, we got there early. I just could not believe how many empty seats there were. I'm like, this is, a, I mean, they're about to, it's a Sunday afternoon. They're about to sweep the Marlins. They're about to clinch, not clinch, I'm sorry, but they're about to secure their, you know, their stranglehold on that playoff spot. And no one's there to cheer them on. It was just weird to me. Very weird. If this was verse. I don't know, the Padres, the team that they're battling that wild card spot for, then I will be alarmed. I'm going to chalk it up to it being the Marlins and it being a Sunday. A first pitch was at what, 12? 12, 110. 110, okay. So I'm going to chalk it up to that. I'm going to chalk it up to that because I'm looking um, at Saturday's attendance and it was, just give me one second. I, I, I got to believe that it was the opponent that they're playing because, I mean, I can't name a player on the Marlins. Now, I'm not the biggest baseball person in the world, but just about every team I can name a couple guys from the team. So Saturday's attendance was uh, 34,000. So, bang, cut that in half on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there goes my theory about it being <laughs> I just did, and, and by the way, we're live on Facebook and YouTube. So fans hear me out yesterday. I went to Great American Ballpark. I was jacked for the game. I was like, okay, you know, I don't mind being, I'm wrong all the time. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I buried this Reds team last week. And then the next thing you know, they've sweeped the Marlins. They're, they're a one game lead in the wild card spot now. I mean, the Reds are, they're doing their thing, right? Like, so. I was amazed yesterday as I'm sitting there at the game and all of a sudden the national anthem starts and I stand up. I'm like, wait a minute. They're doing the national anthem. That means the game first pitch is sea of red completely empty. I mean, it was awkward. It felt like a late, I mean, it felt like a typical late summer Reds game because there was nobody there, except the difference is this team's in the playoffs. If the season ended today, the Reds are facing the Dodgers in the one-game wild card. Um, and I don't understand it. Where's the, where's the excitement? You know, because if the season ended today and the, the, they do that little, uh, you know, you have to, you know, all scurry to try to get those playoff tickets and everyone's registering to get those playoffs, you know, registering just to buy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone would be going crazy. Why the empty ballpark? What's the excuse? You said, what, 17,000? Mm-hmm, just over 17,000. 40,000 fans could fit in that ballpark. 17,000 was you know less than half. I don't get it. I don't get it. Reds fans, I want to hear from you. We're on Facebook and YouTube. It's the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook and uh, ESPN Dayton's YouTube channel. Scott Campbell on YouTube says the reason the fan base does not turn up uh, is because this region is dominated by football and sports fans watch baseball to pass time until the fall. I disagree, Scott. I do believe that football is king. Don't get me wrong. But uh, we're also talking about one of the most passionate fan bases in baseball, at least I thought, in the Cincinnati Reds. There's a long history with Reds baseball. And you always ask yourself, you know, you never want to go more than a decade without at least being in a World Series conversation. The Reds haven't been in a World Series conversation in three decades. I mean, they won the World Series in 90, and then it's like we lose our minds if they flirt with the wild card berth. You know, they had the one year where they won, what, 98 games mm-hmm. and you know, won the division or what have you uh, in the early 2010s. But outside of that, I mean, the highlights for the Reds of the last three decades have been, you know, signing Ken Griffey. 
Um, you know, last year, I, you know, the, the the little playoff run with Dusty Baker there in the middle, and then the highlight was firing Dusty because they thought they could do better, and they've actually gone way downhill since then. Even the way David Bell has them playing right now, not even close to what the peak was for, for Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, actually, whether you guys want to admit it or not, has been the brightest spot. He was leading the brightest little run of Reds baseball in the last 30 years. So I, I just... I. It, there's a history in Cincinnati of great baseball, but the last three decades, I believe, it's kind of set the tone for a new generation of Reds fans. I'm 30 years old. I was one years old when the Reds last won a World Series. So that I mean, technically they've won one in my lifetime, but technically it doesn't count. Like, so it's just one of those situations where I was amazed yesterday. I thought I was going to feel that playoff atmosphere, uh, that excitement, that juice, that jolt. None of it. It felt like the Reds were in last place in the NL Central. That's what it felt like yesterday. Not cool. Not so, cool. so let me ask you this, and all the Reds fans and Cincinnati Bengals fans, if you had tickets to go to a Reds playoff game or a Cincinnati Bengals regular season game, say they fell on the same day and they were both at home, you had tickets, which one are you going to go to? I mean, in my mind, you have to go to the playoff game, right? I mean, it's the playoffs. I've always asked, too, what would mean more to the city of Cincinnati, a World Series or a Super Bowl? Mm. Um. Well, in my I used home, to my say World Series would be, be a Super Bowl for sure. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. And then used to be NBA title or or World Series, but I think in Cleveland it would be Super Bowl, World Series, then NBA yeah. championship. And in typical Cleveland fashion, they get the NBA championship first. That's <laughs> just, that's what they get. So I don't know. I find this interesting. So back to real quick, back to Facebook. Um, did you, Randy uh, Bertholf on YouTube says I credit it to the number of games and legitimately critical series. We will see how many fans are there when. LA is in town in mid-September and what our record is. So is August still too early to buy into the playoff hype? I mean, this is the first time since 2013 that this team's been in playoff contention. Throw last year out. You don't have to, Kevin. I am. I, I, last <laughs> I'm year, not. Last year just was, you know, it, it was a wonky season for everybody. It wasn't an equal playing field. It was just, it was totally strange uh, through no one's fault. I mean, I'm glad there was a season at all. But, I mean, I thought that the players did a pretty good job of hijacking last season, as did the, the, the league itself and the mismanagement up at the top. It was just a complete mess from beginning until end. And I know it's tough to try to get a season in during COVID, but I, there were so many outside circumstances playing a role in the dysfunction of Major League Baseball last year. That's why I don't count it um, as far as that goes. But as far as the Reds are this year, it's late August. At what point is it suitable to buy in to the Reds being in the playoffs? Because I was told in April when I got excited too early. June, you know, May, too early. June, too early. Oh, wait till after the All-Star break. Well, we're well past the All-Star break. And apparently fans still think it's too early to get excited about Reds baseball as they currently hold a playoff spot if the season ended today. David Shaw uh, says there's a difference between summer heat plus 100-degree heat index. That humidity yesterday was bumping. True, but not (laughs) one of the hottest games I've ever been to, the Shoe, Ohio State. I've been to plenty of games at the Shoe where it's unbearably hot in 110,000 stack. And 110,000 fill up. Now, the urgency to get to a Buckeye home game, there's what, five, six, or there's like what, six, seven a year. So maybe, you know, that goes back to, I think, Randy's point is, you know, how many games, uh, you know, there are in a season. It's like, well, I don't have to go today. There's still plenty more home games and series to try and attend. So maybe that could be it, too. But my point, Shaw, is that if fans want to go to a game, if, if the product is good enough, it'll draw you out. It'll draw you out in the cold. It'll draw you out in the heat. It'll draw you out in the rain. It'll draw you out in the snow. I mean, watch how many NFL stadiums are full in blizzard-like weather coming up this this upcoming season. Like, if fans want it, 
they'll go. Yeah. And I, that's why I'm like, I just don't think the fans are buying into what the Reds are doing right now. Uh, Jason uh, Halloway on Facebook says, Meanwhile, Wrigley Field is packed for all home games. I don't know. I don't know. I don't are follow. I, that's why I don't know. I don't follow the attendance for every team around Major League Baseball. At least I haven't checked Chicago's. But the, the, the Cubs are a little bit different just because Wrigley's full because that's just a, that's an experience. Wrigley is an experience right. in itself. It's great, great American Ballpark, as much as I love GABP, it's not an experience. No one in L.A. is like, oh, man, i got to get to GABP. But people in L.A. are like, man, if I'm ever in Chicago, I have to get to Wrigley. I have to get to a cut. You know what I mean? Like it's whether if the Cubs are good, it's a cherry on top. But I don't know. Even if Wrigley's attendance is really high, that has more to do with the experience that is Wrigley more so than it is the product on the field. And they're one of the few franchises in baseball that can get away with that. Like there's not a lot of people. If Milwaukee was bad, no one is going to experience Milwaukee Stadium, right? Like it's just how it is. I'm going to chalk this up to it being the Marlins because I did a little research. So on Friday, just over 19K, Saturday, 34K, Sunday, 17K. Okay. So then you go back to end of July and they play in the St. Louis Cardinals. Same Friday, Saturday, Sunday lineup. So on Friday versus uh, the Cardinals, 30,000. Saturday, 33,000. Sunday, 22,000. I'm going to chalk it up to it being the Marlins because obviously the Cardinals have a story history. You know, they've been playing the Cardinals for years. Cardinals are normally a good baseball team. I'm going to chalk the fans up not going to these games versus the Miami Marlins because it's the Miami Marlins. Well, again, the average uh, attendance for the Reds over the last since that the rebuild was about 20,000 mm-hmm. half capacity. Right. That's the if 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 a bad Reds team can get 20,000 fans out on average to a game then a playoff Reds team should get at least five to ten more thousand. I'm not even asking for a sold-out Great American Ballpark on a, on a nightly basis, but on a weekend, on a Sunday, on an afternoon, when you can go to the game, be done by 4.30, drive to Dayton, and then back to Cincinnati, and then back to Dayton again <laughs> like I did. I'm just saying, like, there's no excuse. It's not like it's a night game. I could see if it was a Sunday night night game. And, you know, and what have you. But, uh, by the way, that's the other thing, too. The Reds are, their schedule for 2022 came out. Um, and or the press release over the weekend, the schedule had been out, but they had talked about how they're implementing 6.40 start times. You're going to see mm-hmm. all 6.40 home start times for night games next year. I like that. Which I always used to roll my eyes and say, oh, a half hour, big whoop. But, no, that half hour is a big difference. I mean, that half hour is getting home a half hour earlier, getting on the road a half hour earlier, get, you know, tuning, you know, being able to stay up a half hour later to watch a game or, you know, going, you know, a game getting down a half hour earlier means I can maybe get the last inning or two innings in versus turning it off in the seventh and catching the score when I wake up in the morning. All of that is a big deal. Like that half hour difference is massive. uh, And I think that that's going to be, you know, play a role in attendance moving forward. But yeah, like I said, at the ballpark yesterday, I just could not believe it. A sea of red, empty, great American ballpark. It was more like average American ballpark. It was okay American ballpark. It was American ballpark. It was just a place to play ball. We'll see what attendance is like moving forward. All right. The Justin Kidder Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Um, Mike Haywood says, uh, oh, there he's going back and forth with David Shaw. Good. Keep Shaw busy for me, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Brian Staley on Facebook says, I feel it's more of a baseball issue the second half of the season. I've been to a Reds, White Sox, and Cubs game in the second playoff bound, in the, and the two playoff bound teams had less energy from their fan base. 
Uh, Jason Halloway said 35K this weekend against the Royals. I'm assuming you're talking about the Cubs. Again, the Cubs, that's an ex- great American, or I'm sorry, uh, Wrigley is the experience. Like it's your, if I'm in Chicago, I'm not, I don't care who the Cubs are playing. I don't care who's on the Cubs roster. I'm like, let's go. In fact, I never say let's go to a Cubs game. It's always, hey, let's go check out Wrigley. Right. Let's go check out Wrigley. No one says let's go check out Average American Ballpark. Like they don't do that. I'm just saying. Uh, Mike Haywood, not sure you are aware as a fan. I don't make this sketch. Oh, they're still arguing. Okay, cool. Keep keep it up, guys. Keep keep arguing in the chat section. I love it. I love watching other people argue instead of me having to do it with them. Speaking of arguing, Bengals fans not happy with old Ken Dog over here. Oh, boy. Oh, Ken are not a fan favorite, and that's totally fine. Hey, but did, did you catch what happened over the weekend? With the Bengals? Well, Jamar Chase, he didn't catch anything over the weekend. <laughs> What's going on, Jamar Chase? Chasing balls left and right. Did you catch that joke? Unfortunately. Tune in on the other side to catch some more. Goodness gracious. Did you catch that one? Oh, man. <clears throat> Funny bone. Funny bone. Uh, did you catch some news about them that I'm not aware no, of? You're, you're performing. Oh. <laughs> Am I performing better than the receiver they can't catch? <laughs> Let's talk about that. Should the Bengals be concerned? Zach Taylor says, no. We love wide receivers who can't catch. We'll talk when we come back. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Presented by Orion Sports Medicine. That's why we're making it easy with our eight-piece family meal for only $22.99. Enjoy a classic family meal without the hassle. It includes eight mixed pieces of famous recipe chicken, two large sides, and four fluffy biscuits. At Lee's, making your family's meal special is what we do. The Reds' uh, capacity conversation uh, like lead to World War III, but that is what it is. People get real defensive of their Reds, but uh, why don't you take that defensiveness to GABP? Make GABP great again. <laughs> You can win a family four-pack of tickets to go to see the Cincinnati Reds. At Average American Ballpark. Make <laughs> make Average American Ballpark great again. That's my campaign right there. Fill up GABP. Let's go. Reds are a damn playoff team. Maybe Kinner's criticism carries a lot of weight, and I'm ruining it for the rest of us. I don't know. But uh, there you go. Look, um, so I, 2015, the Reds averaged 26,000 fans a game. And that team won 64 games. The Reds already have 69 wins with a month and and some change remaining. And they're struggling getting people to the ballpark. Now, I keep seeing people in the comment section say, well, what if you brought, you know, let's have this conversation when the Angels or someone good comes to town. Well, possibly, but let's keep in mind, too. When you want to talk about attendance, I'm talking about Reds fans. You want to know why the Marlins series is a true indicator of who the Reds fans are? Is because the people that showed up to watch the Reds versus Marlins showed up to watch the Reds. When you keep talking about the Angels and others, you're, watch, you're talking about people that come to watch the other team, and that doesn't make any sense. That's why I brought up UD basketball earlier. UD basketball it truly is about UD. It's about the Dayton Flyers. It's about who they are, not about who they play. People, including me, criticize their schedule every their non-conference home schedule every year because they play a bunch of nobodies. But they know that they don't have to play anybody because you are going to show up anyways. And the Reds don't get to dictate their schedule. This is you know professional baseball. The schedule's laid out for them. You can only play who's in your division and all that. So that's what I'm saying. I'm criticizing Reds fans because it's not about who they play. And if it is for you, then if you're not going to watch your team, 
I mean, this isn't about the Marlins. Like, Kev, you brought up the Marlins. And I, it's a good point, too. You know, obviously, the better teams bring in more fans to the ballpark. But that usually means, like, when the Cubs are at Great American Ballpark and there's more fans there, those are Cubs fans. Right. So the reason that I like this Marlins series as an example is because that is an example of the Reds fans that are invested. There's maybe five Marlins fans that showed up. Same five that show up to their home games, right? Uh, and by the way, you know, same. And I went and looked too for the Marlins. That's about how many sixteen thousands. About how many show up for their games too, and it's hot there. So it is what it is. Like I get it. Like it is miserably hot. Went to a game a few weeks ago and just got destroyed in the sun. It was miserable, right? Like, but a lot of people there, or like a lot of people still go despite that if they really want to watch the product. So now I don't want to hear that if the Angels were in town that there'd be more people there, and those would be Angels fans. Those would be people to watch Otani, not to watch the Reds. I want the people that want to watch my team, that want to watch your team. Like you want to watch your team, right? Like the Cleveland Browns, if it's 15 degrees... I'm going to watch the Browns. It doesn't matter because I want to watch my team. If I have to go sit with you disgusting Bengals fans to watch my Browns, I'm going to do that because I want to watch my team. I'm not going to make an excuse and say, oh, Bengals fans smell. Oh, you know, it's cold. Oh, man, traffic. Oh, no. You, if you want to watch your team, you will go watch. So don't give me excuses. Don't tell me that the Marlins suck. Don't tell me that it's hot. If you love your team, then go watch them. So... That's what I meant earlier by the fans are telling the ownership what they think of this Reds team. That they are, oh, sure, they're in the playoff push, but we don't buy into their players. We don't buy into where they're at in the standings. We don't buy into this team's chances of winning a World Series. This team is just blah. Explain to me why no one's going to these games. Uh, 518-1410. 518-1410. That's the number to call in and jump in on the conversation. We'll take your calls. 518-1410. Um, uh, Charles uh, Kimberly says, I'm sure COVID plays a part as well. Um, possibly. But, uh, you know, I'm going, I've been to concerts. I've been to a lot of things that COVID's not impacting that. Again, if you want to go, if you want to go, you'll go. Because although there's a good chunk of people who won't go because of COVID, there's going to be another 10,000 plus behind them that don't care about COVID and will go anyways. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh, do, 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 do. David Shaw says, Kenner, that's why it's the opponents and the temperature. And Shaw, I get that. I'm acknowledging that. The point is, is that fa- I'm pointing out that fans don't want to go watch the Reds, and I don't, and I want to know why, because they're in the playoffs. So, Dean McDonald says, Kenner, who has only been to one NFL game in his life, come on, man, come on, man. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Don says, how much did you spend last time when you went to a game? We know you got... Oh, don't, Don, I'm not even going to finish your point. Don't do the games are too expensive to go to, Spiel. Don't do that. Look, bottom line is, if you want to go watch your team, you'll go. If you want to go watch your team, you'll go. Like, there's always a million reasons not to go. David Shaw, you're being dumb today. I'm not even responding to you. So there's that. The rest I'll respond to. Dean McDonald, even though he's calling me out, he seems like a good dude. Shaw continuing to to poke the bear. So there's that. All right, let's talk a little Cincinnati Bengals football, shall we? Kev, if I uh, was to draft a shooter in the NBA, what's the one thing you want them to do? Knock down shots. Be a shooter. If I draft a quarterback, what's the one thing you want that quarterback to do? Throw the ball. Throw the ball. If you draft a running back, what's the one thing you want that running back to be able to do? Pick up the blitz. No, run. (laughs) Hit the hole. (laughs) <laughs> Run the ball! Kev, if you draft a wide receiver, what's the one thing you want him to be able to do? 
Catch the ball. Catch the ball. Scoot to your left. Scoot to your left. I want fans to see you. Nope. Keep going. Oh, I see. It's a tough stretch for you. All right. Day over here. So, <laughs> that's the thing. When you draft a wide receiver, catch the ball. That's what you want. You want your wide receiver to catch the football. When you draft a running back, you want the running back you draft to run the ball. When you draft your quarterback, what is it you want to, to throw the football? It's not that hard. When you draft a kicker, what do you want them to do? Kick the ball through the uprights. It's that simple. So if I draft a quarterback and he can't throw a football, that would make you concerned. If I draft a running back and he, you know, the, you know, the Steelers, they drafted Najee Harris. And if Najee Harris can't run the football, Steelers will be concerned because they drafted a running back in the first round. And in, your fir- in the first round, that's what smart teams do. In the first round, you draft the player that you feel is going to make the best impact on your team. Now, the Bengals technically did that, but we'll get into that. The bottom line is this. The bottom line is it's important that when you draft a player that you think is going to address the needs on your team that they fulfill that. It's okay to be critical. I have no clue why fans always think that they have to make excuses for these players because what we are evaluating is who they are right now. If I draft a quarterback and he can't throw the football right now, I'm going to base my analysis of him right now. If everything is always about, oh, well, I'm sure at some point he'll figure it out, then we might as well turn these mics off and every sports show will just go bye-bye because no one's allowed to have analysis on what's going on right now because everyone's lazy approach, typical Bengals fan approach is, oh, well, it'll work itself out. It'll get, it'll get better. Will it? Will it? Mm. It just sucks for you guys because right now it sounds like, oh, Ken Dog was right. Kenner might be right, and that drives you crazy. That eats you up. Now, every time, every time Jamar Chase drops a pass, it eats you up. So ESPN put out this article. Ben Baby covers the Cincinnati Bagels for ESPN. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm reading these comments. I just got to stop. I got to focus here. <laughs> My ADD is all over the place. Cincinnati Bengals are not down on Jamar Chase despite the rookie's wide receiver preseason struggles. Now, that headline, first of all, I don't think that the Bengals should be down on Jamar Chase. You shouldn't be down on anybody. You know, it's your job to put him in position to succeed. But here's the problem. This isn't, oh, well, you know, Jamar Chase isn't getting that burst that they were hoping for, which that was an article from a few weeks ago. That is something, you know, that's something that you should be concerned about because, you can't really improve that. Like, you can improve it, but it's not something that's going to improve overnight. Like, that's just, you know what I mean? Jamar Chase is dropping passes left and right. And you Bengals fans deserve it because all you did was rip Odell Beckham Jr., right? In fact, Kev, do the thing. Fix the camera a little bit. Like, let's point that camera down towards you just a little bit. Or you just go to your left. There, that, you know what? It'll. Is that better? Oh, now your face is gone. Now it's just your chest. Oh, man. Like, this is that Wright State basketball promotion right there. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Now sit back. There we go. Okay. 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 Let's get back to business here. To reset, if you're just tuning in, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. If you draft a running back, you should expect him to run the football. If you draft a quarterback... You should expect him to throw the football. If you draft an offensive lineman, you should expect him to block, right? Like, it's not that hard. This isn't rocket science. If I draft a wide receiver, you should expect him to catch. And this isn't about Jamar Chase not having speed or not being a good route runner or not knowing the game. He's just not catching the football. So when the Bengals come out and say that they are not concerned, why 
why are you saying you're not concerned? I know that they can't come out and tell the media that they're not concerned, but the Bengals fans saying that they're not concerned is what's concerning. That's what also makes me question your, your mindset when you pretend to know football. I don't understand. It is concerning. When OBJ couldn't catch passes, I even said, that's a problem. That's a problem. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I don't understand why Bengals fans can't say that that's concerning, that your number one wide receiver, supposedly your number one wide receiver, your receiver that you drafted number five overall in a draft that had rich NFL offensive line talent that you passed over to draft a wide receiver that you tried to say was a, a lock, that he's a lock, that you, you know, whatever. Why is he a lock? Locks don't drop passes. If you look at Justin Jefferson last year, I said it from the very beginning, that Justin Jefferson was going to be the standard that I based Jamar Chase's success after. Jamar Chase doesn't get an excuse. He doesn't get to say, yeah, well, it's early. Yeah, well, I'm a rookie. Oh, Zach Taylor making the excuses of, well, he's going through what a lot of rookies go through. Justin Jefferson didn't, and Justin Jefferson was selected further in the first round. You drafted him number five overall. You don't get the excuses. Justin Jefferson is the standard for what I'm going to base the success of Jamar Chase off of. No excuses. None. None. I'm not going to make an exception at all. Don Roberts being, you know, going back to his, well, you know, cut him. Steelers fans will take him. See, the people that are being dramatic here is not me. It's you guys. Oh, so what should we do? Cut him? It's not what I'm saying. Be concerned. You're allowed to be concerned. You're allowed to question what's going on there. And you should question what's going on there. Why is the wide receiver that you took number five overall not catching a football? This isn't like, oh, you know, he's not able to create that burst or that acceleration to burn past defenders as he's, ex- as he adju- as he's adjusting to the NFL speed. That might, I could understand that a little bit. You know, sometimes you hope that there's, that's going to be there, but you don't know until the games actually get here. But we're talking about the ball in his hands, and he's not securing it. It's that simple. I watched a James Rapine post a, p- a video yesterday. I mean, a ball right in his hands and just dropped. There wasn't even anyone around him. He would have walked it right into the end zone. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yes, it's just practice. People are bringing up my hot take on the uh, U.S. Olympic team when I was talking about how exhibition play doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, exhibition, and this is why Bengals fans, I need you to, to pay attention. Lean closer. Come on. <laughs> Group time. Come on. Bengals fans, lean in. Come on, let's have a little chat. The exhibition game results don't matter. The end result doesn't matter. But the performance within the game matters. You've got to understand what's going on. I'm not ca- talking about the Bengals' scores in preseason. I'm talking about the progression of the player in the preseason. And Jamar Chase was really, really good at the beginning of preseason. And now all of a sudden is dropping passes as we get closer and closer to kickoff here in two and a half weeks. Be concerned. Bengals fans, I would respect you more if you would just say, yeah, I'm a little concerned. That's concerning. Our number five overall pick is dropping passes. It's okay to be concerned. You don't have to get angry and start talking smack to me as if I'm making this up. I am delivering you the facts, and he is dropping a lot of passes. And you are trying to tell me, well, it's just in practice. It doesn't matter. But yet, I keep getting tagged on Twitter every time they show him make a phantom catch with no one around him, and everyone loses their mind. So that means you are discrediting those. If you tell me that practice catches that or that practice dropped passes don't matter, 
then you are also saying that the nice catches he had in practice don't matter, right? You can't have it both ways. You're the ones moving the goalpost. You're the ones that are trying to compartmentalize the struggles of a mistake of a pick at number five. It's that simple. 518-1410. Kev, when the Bengals say that they're not down on Jamar Chase, I agree. They shouldn't be down on Jamar Chase. But to sit there and say that they don't have any concerns whatsoever... You should have a little concerns. Why? It's not like it was one day at practice. This is going on two weeks now of him having these issues, and it's in one-on-one coverage. It's in just helmet, no pads coverage. It's in full, you know, in the preseason. It was one for three, dropped a few. I, I think you can be a little concerned. It doesn't mean you don't sleep at night. It doesn't mean you give up eating. It doesn't mean that you change religions. It doesn't mean that you change teams. It doesn't mean that you cut them. But stop being delusional, Bengals fans. It's okay to say, yeah, that's a little concerning. The world would spin a lot smoother if you would just agree that, yeah, it's a little concerning. Yeah, it's something to be concerned about. The Bengals have a lot to be concerned about going into this season. Obviously, everything surrounding Joe Burrow and him returning from his injury. And then you have a wide receiver you picked at number five a wide receiver that didn't play last year. So could it be possibly just getting back into the swing of playing football? Could it be that? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that the Bengals and I'm sure Jamar Chase is after practice working on the jugs machine. And speaking as a Steelers fan, strictly on this Uh point, a team that led the league in drops last season, the only thing that I cared about that Deontay Johnson was doing, that Chase Claypool was doing, that uh, Ebron was doing was – working on securing the ball and catching the ball. And I watched part of the preseason game with the Steelers and the Lions, and Ebron had a drop in that game. And it just made my blood boil. So if I'm a Bengals fan, I would be thinking the same thing, like, what's going on here? Because that's what I thought when he dropped the ball. I saw that Deontay Johnson made a one-handed catch along the sidelines, and I was like, yes, that's, that's improvement. You've been working on your hands, looking the ball in. But then... Later on in that drive, Ebron dropped a pass that was right in his breadbasket, and I got immediately mad. So if there are concerns about him dropping the ball, I know I would be upset every single time I saw him drop a pass because all I would be thinking is, what are you working on? Like, that's something you need to be working on. If it's a mental block, is it you're not looking the ball into your hands? Whatever it is, it needs to get fixed before, what, two weeks before kickoff. If I'm a Bengals fan, that's how I will be thinking about it. Yeah, especially because of the fact that especially because of the fact that he was very impressive to start. He was making some big catches in practice. He was making some big plays. And then he had a very good his first preseason game. It was only one catch, but you know I like to see that burst. I like to see the size like on the field. He's an intimidating sized receiver. Like he looks the part. Uh, but it doesn't mean that when he struggles that you just get to sit back and say, oh, well, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Uh, you know, Lamar Shelley says uh, he'll be 10 times better than John Ross. Well, that's a low bar. <laughs> that's a low bar. I mean, come on. Oh, uh, look, I dropped my pen. When I go down there to pick it up, do you want me to lift your, your, you know, your standards a little bit, Bengals fans, or should we just leave them where they're at? No, i got to bend over and pick up my pen. Crap. All right. It's <laughs> so the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Um, you know, and the, the excuse train keeps coming in. Maybe Chase is rusty. He did skip the college season last year. No excuses? No excuses. When you're picked number five overall, your talent is supposed to surpass those weak excuses that surround you as to why you're struggling. Catch the football. And then when he does start catching the football, Kinner's not going to be wrong because then at that point I'll say, oh, he's catching the football. All Kinner's saying right now is he's not catching the football. And isn't that what you drafted, a wide receiver number 5'4"?
No one drafted a wide receiver number five overall to not catch a football. And yet you're telling me I'm crazy? Do better. All I'm saying is, yeah, that may be true. He may be coming back from a season of not playing football, for sure. And I I couldn't only imagine how that could be a transition for him, not playing football for a year and then jumping to the NFL. With all that being said, fix it. Fix it. Got to fix it because as my high school coach used to say in high school, as a wide receiver, all you have to do is block and catch or catch and block. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to pick up blitzes. You don't have to throw the ball. You don't have to read the defense. All you got to do is run, catch, and block. You got three responsibilities, and the first one is to catch the ball when we throw it to. So if you drop it, as everybody that play high school football knows, either you're doing 10 push-ups or you're taking a lap. I took the laps. <laughs> so someone just asked, with Penny Sewell's struggles in the preseason, do I think that the Bengals still should have selected Penny Sewell? I'm going to tell you why. One million percent yes when I come back, and it's not a hater reason. It's not because I hate Jamar Chase. I'll tell you why Penny Sewell still should have been the pick for the Bengals on the other side. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash. Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio, 1410 Wing AM. College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers. Got too many arguments going on social media at one time. I can't keep up. I thought I was better at this. You live for it. I, I do. It keeps me going. It keeps the people going. <laughs> Doug Toby says, how about all those David Bell fans? You have to give him credit for keeping everybody healthy and having everybody ready for the, keeping everybody healthy. Is he a doctor now? <laughs> Dr. Seuss? <laughs> I mean, no. And Doug Toby, you're right. David Bell has him here. Better manager would have him further. Just saying. First of all, David Bell has made a lot of mistakes, has cost them a lot of games. They're here because there's talent on this roster. And the decisions of David Bell at times have cost them so many games. I mean, they're sitting at 69 wins right now. Uh, they, you know, they do have a lead over the Padres, but the Padres' fall is not so much the Reds overwhelming them, it's the Padres dropping. The Reds are benefiting from the Padres dropping. But the Reds also just dropped two or three to the Cubs before this Marlins series. Like, the inconsistencies are the difference. Like, the inconsistencies are the huge, biggest difference between the, the um, Brewers and the Reds. It's not, incon- it's not lack of talent. The Brewers have more consistency. That's, that's really what it comes down to. I've never said that the Reds don't have talent. The Reds have a ton of talent. But the inconsistencies are the difference, and that has to do with roster management as well. And David Bell trying to keep him healthy for the stretch run, a stretch run that you're not guaranteed to have. You're risking the stretch run to keep them healthy down the stretch. You might be playing for nothing. Keeping guys out of games in the middle of the season in a playoff hunt uh, with the hopes of having them ready to go for the playoffs by losing games in the middle of the playoff push to save guys for a, a, se- a par- portion of the season that may not exist, I'm not for that. But nice try, Doug. I appreciate the optimism. This show needs it sometimes. 518-1410. We talked about the Cincinnati Reds. I was at Great American Ballpark yesterday, and I couldn't believe it. The National Anthem starts, and then my head, you know, my the wheels start turning. I'm like, wait, the National Anthem? That means the game's about to start. Where the hell are all the fans? The Reds are in the playoff push. They're in the playoffs right now. If the season ended today, they're in the playoffs. 16,000 fans filled up. Filled up. 16,000 fans were sprinkled throughout Great American Ballpark yesterday. 
and this team is in a playoff push, oh, well, it's hot. Okay, it's hot. And it's hot for college football coming up. It'll be hot at the shoe here in a few weeks. People will be there. People will be there. It'll be hot. It'll be sweaty. They'll be miserable. It'll be humid. But they're watching their Buckeyes. Bengals, Browns, NFL. It'll be freezing cold. Cleveland fans will fill up at Cleveland's, you know, for Cleveland Browns home games. They'll fill it up. Don't matter. Because it doesn't matter if it's cold or if it's freezing. If fans want to watch that product, they will go no matter what the elements are. I don't care what the elements are. Fans want to go, they will go. If the product is worth sitting in the heat for, they will go. If the product is worth sitting in the windy, rain, cold, snow, sleet, what have you, they'll go. So, yes, I don't want to hear the heat excuses. I don't want to hear, oh, well, who they're playing. Well, are you going to watch the Marlins or are you going to watch the Reds? Because you should be going to watch your team. You know, with all the crap teams that the Dayton Flyers bring into UD Arena every year, people still go because they're there to watch their team because that's why they're one of the best fan bases in college basketball because it's not about everything else. It's not about the other team. If you have to rely on other teams coming in to fulfill your the happiness of your fans and your own team's not doing it, uh-uh, that's like letting your wife go on dates with other people because you can't keep her happy. That don't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. All right, 518-1410. Who we got, Kev? We got Shaw. Oh, Shaw. How are you, Shaw? Welcome, Shaw. Not bad. Not bad. How are you? Well, you sound like you're having a ball. Not bad. How are you? A little, a little energy. You sound like a Reds fan. Well, I'm partly a Reds fan. You know I'm a Braves fan first. All right. What you got for us? Well, you bring up basketball to compare a bas- uh, an outdoor sport like baseball when fa- for fan support. That doesn't really make really. Have you parted? Have you parted UD Arena and had to walk a long way to get to the arena to wait outside and to wait in line? Nah, don't use that lazy excuse for me. Nope, 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 nope. I know it's indoor versus outdoor. Give me a break. Well, then you can't compare it. I can Secondly, compare whatever the hell I want to. Last I checked, it's the Justin yeah, Kinner show. Yes, I know it's. I know it's your show. I know it's not You're the David Shaw show. If it's the David Shaw show, Shaw could say, "Oh, we can't use basketball to compare to baseball." I, most people would understand that. Anyways, most um, people wouldn't tune yeah. in. Secondly, second, you're right. They would. I don't know why I tune in. Anyhow, um, so back to the football analogy. There's only eight home games. So, that's so we can use football for baseball and not basketball. I know that's indoor versus outdoor, but there's some indoor football and some out, you know, okay. Wow, you really are a genius today. Anyhow, um, so why can't it be two things at the same time? Why does it have to be one or the other? Is this a riddle? I'm just trying to figure it out. It's okay. We'll wait for you. Figure it no, out. It's not, a, it's not a riddle. You're the one saying it can only be one thing or the other. You're trying to get the answer. What's the one thing I'm trying to say that it is that it's not the other? Break it, out, break it down for one. me. What are you trying to say that I'm saying? You want the answer from the fans, but you want to argue every fan that gives you an answer. No, I want the right answer. Well, you're right all the time, so you already gave the right answer. All right. Let's get let's let's speed this up. So what do you, what are you wanting me to say? Tell me what you want me to say so I can make I'm you happy. I'm not wanting you to say anything. I'm wanting you to make sense. And what makes sense is it's the heat and it's the it's the opponent on the field. It's both. Now, are you a Marlins fan or a Reds fan? Are you going to watch the Marlins? Or are you going to watch the Reds? 
I'm not going anywhere when it's 100 degrees outside to sit in that ball. Well, then you're not worthy of talking to at this point. You're, you're not the fan I'm trying I to talk watch to. I watch the game on TV. Now in September, when it's not 100 degrees outside, I'll go fill the ballpark. Oh, you're one hell of a fan. Well, I'll go when it's not so hot. At the other fifty percent, I've been to the. Like, I'll go to the Ohio State game here in a few weeks, and I guarantee you, no matter how hot it's and humid, it'll be ninety-six dude. and humid. It's you very comparable. We're sitting outside, right? It's you just not said comparable. Ohio State is not comparable to the Cincinnati Reds. It's not. There's eight home games for the for Ohio State, and this. this so at, so fans can, State. if the urgency is there. They can dictate whether it's hot enough that they could sit through the heat for a Buckeye game, but not a Red There's game. only eight home games a year for Ohio. Okay, State. so what yes, home games? What dates are you going to go sit? What are what are dates you're going to go sit in the heat at Great American? There isn't. A, I'm not. Okay. You gave me tickets to the Braves game. That was the only game I go to during day games. I don't go to day games for that exact reason. And you're a horrible fan. Unless, no. I'm realistic. I can watch the game on TV when it's 100 degrees outside. I'm going down there to be comfortable to watch the game. I'm not going down there to Man, you're more of a diva than the athletes are. Go watch a game. Go cheer on your team. I know you're not a diehard Reds fan, but my goodness. Even if it was the Braves. I'm not going down there to sweat during the whole damn thing to sit there. I'm not doing it. Look, the bottom line, for those who are just tuning in, let me reset this. So for those who are just tuning in, I opened up the show, went to JBP yesterday. I couldn't believe how empty it was. The the Reds are in a playoff hunt right now. If the the season ended today, they're in the playoffs. And I'm like, the, the energy sucked. I couldn't believe how bad the atmosphere was for a Reds game when their team, for the first time since 2013, almost a whole decade has gone by. I mean, we're just a few years removed from this decade going by since they've made the playoffs legitimately, not last year. And there's no buzz. There's no excitement. I mean, look, look, in some some guy on Facebook, his name is some guy. He goes, we're talking about the weather. Some guy, you're right. Some we are talking about the weather. But I want to know why. So Sean and everyone else says, it's oh, it's too hot to go to a game. But yet, I'm like, I, I see people go to concerts in the heat. I see people go to football games in the heat. Um, I see people, look, time. you think it's not hot in, in, in Los Angeles whenever they nearly sell out every game afternoon or night? Most of their games are at night. No, not most of the games. They have day games, too. They have some. Yes, they have some. Okay. Some. So give me some. What's the, what, what's, what number equates to some? It is, dude. It's already proven. No, dude. I need to know what some, what does some mean? Like some, like twenty, thirty. You know I'm not. You don't. You know I don't know that. You well, then why I do you bring it? If you don't know that, then why make it an argument? Oh, you've got to be kidding me! How do they, you're telling me you don't understand that they get they get more night games out there in uh, L.A. than what we get here in Cincinnati? They play they outside play during the day, too. They play more than what the Reds do. Most, most of the games are at night, just like most of the Reds games are at night. Your point? Woosa, woosa. Woosa, You called in to argue. Shaw, have a great night. No, I didn't. Go cool off. This is getting a little heated in here. I know how soft you are when it comes to the heat, so we'll talk later. All right. So the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash presented. You just cut him off. You hung up on it. That was Kev, not me. We got to get to break. <laughs> Some guy on Facebook says, guess the heat is why the ball was slipping out of Chase's hands. Sweaty paws. <laughs> that was the other argument. That was the other one. All right, folks. It's the Justin Kidder Show with Kevin Nash. I love Mondays. We'll be back. It's the Justin Kidder Show with Kevin Nash. Presented by Orion Sports Medicine. YNG Studios for Dayton's only local sports talk show. It's the Justin.
and Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. All right, welcome back. Hour two. My goodness. That first hour. Shaw, you're a good punching bag. I'll tell you that much. So it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. With Kev Nash. Great. What up, Kev? The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. There you go. So... Yeah, we talked Reds, we talked Bengals, we, I mean, we talked about the, you know, the, the struggles of Jamar Chase. Let me put a serious spin on this and then we'll, or if Jamar Chase plays well and Penny, and, or Jamar Chase struggles and Penny Sewell struggles, the reason I think that it still did not, is that they still made a mistake by not taking Penny Sewell, if both are struggling, why does it matter? Because they would have had it, they would have made a wrong pick if they would have taken Penny Sewell and they may have made the wrong pick with Jamar Chase if things don't turn around, right? So why does it matter? They both weren't going to work out, and it was really down between those two uh, plus the tight end from Florida, but they kind of ruled him out a little bit before. Here's why it still should have been Penny Sewell. Because people like me could not attack the Bengals for not trying to address the offensive line. Because Penny Sewell was a home run, was a home run right? Every analyst out there, Penny Sewell, Penny Sewell, Penny Sewell. Take Penny Sewell. To where even if the Bengals would have drafted Penny Sewell and he would have struggled like he is now, we couldn't rip the Bengals for not trying to lay a foundation piece on their offensive line to protect Joe Burrow, not just one year like they did with Riley Reef. Signing him for one year made absolutely zero sense. Everyone's acting like, I thought you said they didn't address it. They didn't. You're trying to protect Joe Burrow long term. You're not trying to do a you know a one year contract for every offensive lineman out there, right? Like you want to. So I would. It would have been easier to forgive the Bengals for taking Penny Sewell if you know with his struggles right now because the Bengals could have come back and said, didn't every one of you say to take Penny Sewell? Pen every every hater out there wanted them to take Penny Sewell. So if they would have taken him and he would have struggled, they at least tried. By not taking Penny Sewell and taking Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase struggling, it doesn't cancel out because Sewell's struggling. It just means that the Bengals made another boneheaded decision. I could forgive them for taking Penny Sewell and his struggle, and he struggles, because there was the, still the smart pick. Every draft pick's a gamble. No one's a lock. No one's a guarantee. That's why the whole purpose of taking Jamar Chase at number five overall to convince me that he's going to be the best receiver in this draft, I wasn't buying it because every year the number one wide receiver in the draft is never the number one wide receiver in that draft class in the NFL, ever. Look at Justin Jefferson. No one talked about, everyone thought that he'd be solid in the NFL. No one thought that he would be an elite wide receiver year one, and he is. And that's why I kept using him as the standard for how I'm going to judge Jamar Chase. If Jamar Chase is not Justin Jefferson at the end of the year, then the Bengals made the wrong pick. If Jamar Chase never turns out to be Justin Jefferson next year, the year after, after that career-wise, it's still the wrong pick. You don't take a wide receiver number five overall to be a top, you know, to be your second or third option. T. Higgins was a hell of a draft pick last year. You probably got your future one number one wide receiver with the first pick of the second round last year after getting your potential franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. And I say potential because still a lot of question marks as far as who's you know has the protection going to be. He clearly doesn't have a number one wide receiver right now. So yes, I am going to be a little critical. And I think everyone should be critical. And then if he starts catching him tomorrow or next week, then guess what? The story changes to, okay, he's catching the ball now. Kenner, you were wrong. No, I'm not wrong because right now I'm talking about a guy that can't catch the ball right now. And then when he catches the ball in two weeks, three weeks, two months, four months next year, I'm not going to be wrong now because at that point I'll talk about how, hey, he's catching footballs. He's doing what he's supposed to, doing his job. Right now he's not. Do your job. Catch the football. 
When it comes to you, put your hands out, catch it. It's what you were drafted number five overall to do. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. How you doing, Kev? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing fine. Did you hear about Carson Wentz? Yeah, he's trying to play some football. How in the world does he go from being out for three to four months to only being out for two weeks? <laughs> the, the same injury for the offensive lineman, uh, too, was right? It, who was the offensive lineman? The, oh, it's driving me nuts. But yes, and he's on the path to be out for a while. Bigger body, more weight right. on his feet. And it's driving me nuts, the offensive lineman. Top yeah. offensive lineman, too. Why am I... For, either way, the Carson Wentz thing is interesting to me again. Indianapolis Colts Carson Wentz practices three weeks after surgery. Optimistic on playing week one. This was a dude that really had started the conversation of, man, should the Colts put the pressure on the Niners to go get Jimmy Garoppolo? Should they, you know, what should they do to address this quarterback situation? You know, there was talk of Phillip Rivers potentially coming out of retirement because they needed that quarterback. And now all of a sudden, Carson Wentz, it's all nothing. He could be the starter by week one. It's interesting to me how all of that pans out when you look at a big picture. Um, so, so I thought that was interesting NFL news, uh, big picture with all of that. Coming up here around the corner, Kev, we're also going to get Quentin Nelson. There you go. Ron Howard came in right as you said that. So tie goes to Ron. Huh? What? It's rare. I work here. But it's rare that Ron messages something that's not trolling or what have you. So I got to give Ron credit. I got it. Look, it's it's training Ron to be a better sports uh, post commenter, if that's a word or phrase. Training Ron not to cuss on the air. Yeah, but he just he he came, Ron. We questioned what the player's name was, and Ron came in in the clutch. Ron didn't make no like weird joke. He didn't make fun of nobody. He was solid. So Ron, congratulations. I'm trying that positive reinforcement to see if it still works for Ron moving forward. My bosses gave up on the positive reinforcement for me a long time ago. Just saying. All right. We'll step away for a few moments. Moments. Kev Nash is going to bring us over-under on the other side. We're going to talk about Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is going to be involved in our over-under. All right. We'll also talk about you know Zach Taylor and the Bengals, the Bears, and quarterback Justin Fields. Ohio State named their quarterback for this upcoming season. I don't know why it was breaking news. It was like literally the worst-kept secret out there. We all know who the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes was going to be. Sure, we, some thought it could be Quinn Ewers, but we might be seeing a Clemson storyline developing. We'll talk about that around the corner. Kev Nash brings us over under next. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. Here's an idea. How about we combine them all together and give you a chance to win a... Fairmont welcomes in Trotwood for our Glacier Softwater High School Football Game of the Week this Friday night. College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers and myself will be live uh, in Kettering to bring you that matchup. How about Trotwood losing uh, this past Friday night? Not just losing, but getting shut out, Kev. That was a very that was one of the more surprising. Uh, I mean, both two the the two teams playing this Friday night for our Glacier Softwater Game of the Week. Uh, their games last week were two of the more surprising results of Week One. How about Fairmont beating Alter in the Battle of Kettering? Kettering beating Kettering. Kettering losing to Kettering. In the Battle of Kettering. Kettering gets bragging rights by beating Kettering. Congratulations to Kettering. Sucks to be Kettering. Like, you know, whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, Fairmont getting the win over Alter, that's, you know, that, that got a lot of people, you know, ramped up and talking. And then Trotwood not just losing, but getting shut out against Wynton Woods. Um, that's going to set up a good one. I mean, for Fairmont to have Alter and Trotwood in weeks one and two and could potentially be 2-0 and to start the season, um, that's a huge opportunity uh, for the Firebirds coming up on Friday. And Trotwood... To start out 0-2, no one would 
you know, think that, but then to also be shut out in week one. So th- this is a big one on Friday as both teams, again, you have Fairmont who's trying to just keep that momentum going, Trotwood trying to put last week's loss behind them. Uh, Jeff Graham does a great job with that group. I expect them to come out fighting. It's going to be a good one on Friday night, Glacier Softwater High School Football Game of the Week, Friday night at 7 o'clock. Check out the Wing AM, uh, the, the high school football scoreboard at wingam.com. Uh, you can catch every score from week one of the Miami Valley uh, at wingam.com, so go and check that out. <clears throat> um, so, <laughs> look, we're talking about the Reds today. We talked about the Bengals. We talked about the struggles of Jamar Chase. We've talked about the, the attendance uh, struggles. Uh, look, I, I will say this one more time about Great American Ballpark. I don't, look, Everyone that's trying to convince me that the attendance issues are not a concern, I don't know what to tell you because, you know, three years ago when the Reds were averaging about 26,000 fans at Great American Ballpark a game, they were averaging about 21, 22,000 fans per game on Sundays. I found that during the break. There was an article on you know, Cincinnati Inquirer. Um, they were averaging about 22, 23,000 fans a game on a Sunday. So there's no excuse why you can average 23 fans. You know, that, that same heat that Shaw and everyone keeps bringing up, that same heat, that same humidity, the same I-75 construction traffic issues that, al- that will always exist. There's all the reasons of not to go to a game have existed in the past, and all those reasons still were not enough to keep more people from attending games in the past than right now. More people attended Sunday games, more people attended games in general for the Reds when they were rebuilding than they are currently sitting in a playoff spot. That's a problem. Maybe it's COVID, but again, you know, when attendance is fine across Major League Baseball as far as the teams that are in the playoffs, attendance is down for baseball as a whole, but attendance for the teams in the playoffs is up. Because that, I mean, and that makes sense. Those teams are in the playoff push. You know, why would you go to a home Marlins game? You know, the home fans for the Marlins aren't going to fill up that ballpark to watch a rebuilding, losing team. But I guarantee you if the Marlins were in the playoffs, now Marlins are probably a bad example to use because they've always been ripped for their lack of attendance, even when they've been good. So that's a bad example to use. But like teams like the Royals, teams like the Pirates and others who aren't traditionally good, when they're good, their fans go watch them. The Reds are good. They're holding a playoff spot down right now. If the season ended, fans aren't going. Attendance is lower now than it was three years ago, and the Reds won 64 games. The Reds have 69 games right now. Uh, We still have a week to go in August and all of September. They have 69 wins. Nice. 69 wins right now, and they still have five weeks remaining in the regular season. They had 64 total wins in 2018, and attendance, they averaged close to 10,000 more a game than they did three years ago. That's... That's noticeable. So, Sean, everyone continuing to call in and bring up the weather and all this. I, the wet, you, It wasn't hot three years ago? Sean, are you a global warming guy? <laughs> I don't think you are, but you're sounding like, is it hotter now than it was three years ago? Hmm, I, I don't know. Convince me. I don't know. Uh, who we got? 518-1410. 518-1410 is the number to call in. Who we got, Kev? We got Mikey. Mikey, how are you, sir? Hello, guys. How are you doing today? Good. Good. It's been a while. Look at you. You sound energetic. I like it. I am energetic. I'm retired. Oh, no kidding. Congratulations. Yeah. How, where, where have you been working, and where, uh, how long have you been working for? Well, I worked at Bob Evans for 38 years. So you retired officially, huh? So what are you doing with that? 2013 and 2013. Oh, okay. Well, you sound, uh, you sound very energetic. I like it. Congratulations on the retirement. Well, even though I don't get much exercise, but anyway, uh, two questions about high school football before we uh, get into the topic. Uh, uh, 
Did Springboro ever find an opponent to play? No, they did not. They did not get an opponent. I don't know who, like, what opponents they had to, to reach out to that did not also have games last week. Uh, but, no, they said that they had reached out to a few. They weren't able to land a game, so they did not get a game in this past uh, Well, here was an idea that I, I probably could have tossed out, maybe a couple, if I would known they were going to have trouble finding an opponent. Couldn't they have contacted a, a Canadian high school? I mean, wow. I mean, uh I'm not sure I mean, about the travel restrictions, though. There's travel restrictions and budgets, and I don't know teams in Canada that are like, well, we don't have an opponent this week. Let's try to find an opponent an hour down the road, or let's go all the way deep into the U.S. No, I mean, we've seen teams from Canada come and play. I know uh, you know, when I lived up in the Coldwater area, Maria Stein had a team from Canada come play one year. Uh, which I think Cinderella was... played a Canadian team one Did year, they? too, didn't they? Yeah, like that's happened, but I think that that's something that's planned well in advance, and I think there's a lot that goes into that. I'm not sh- I don't think that could have been done you know, within the same week, you know what I mean? just a thought. How did Oakwood do? I don't have Oakwood score in front of me. I apologize. Okay. Um, I'd like to comment on the gentleman that you were going back and forth with about the weather. Uh, he never said this, but this is just my, my thought. Uh, he sounded like an older gentleman, and older people don't normally like to sit out in the sun too long. Shaw so is old. Was, He's very huh? old. Shaw's very old. Well, maybe that's the reason why he doesn't want to sit out in the heat. He's cranky, too. He's old and cranky. Well, he might be old, but he didn't sound very cranky to me. Oh, you, that, that was him in a good mood. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, uh, you remember the uh, discussion, uh, Justin, about two or three weeks ago, you and I and Keith had about the uh, expansion of the uh, foot, college football playoffs? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And you remember the... Uh, 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 the, the Comparison I was making uh, uh, when high, uh, uh, college basketball expanded uh, the NCAA tournament and yes. the NIT tournaments. Uh-huh. And you said, well, those are two different sports. Uh-huh. But yet you told D- uh, Dave, I believe his name was Dave, you told him that you could uh, compare uh, compare, uh, compare two sports anytime you wanted to. No, I'm when comparing were- the elements. I mean, I'm talking about the fact that he was making it about comparing the sports and the differences in the sports, and I said, no, it all comes down to the same principles. If you want to go watch your team, you will go watch your team. If the product is good enough, you will go watch it regardless of the elements, regardless of the rain, the sun, the sleet, the snow, what have you. Uh, and then he was trying to say I couldn't use UD basketball as an example for Reds baseball. I know that they're vastly different, they're two seasonally different sports, one's indoor, one's outdoor, but the bottom line is is that my point about UD, the complaints are they don't put anyone, and they do actually, they get about one to two good opponents at the arena every year. But as a whole, it's not a very good non-conference schedule, but yet 13,000 fans will fill it up because they're there to watch the Dayton Flyers. And that was my criticism of the Reds when it came to the fan base of saying, okay, I don't want to hear that, oh, it's the Marlins or it's a bad team that's in town. If you should be cheering on your team that is playing at a high enough level to be in the playoffs if the season ended today. So that's why I said the, the comparison or the contrast of both sports, that doesn't matter because the principle is the same. If the product is good, and you like the product and you buy into the product, you're going to go no matter what. Well, here's the thing, though. And, and, and i got to come down on his side a little bit on this. Mikey, you we had need, a good thing. You, I, I'm taking my congratulations on your retirement back. <laughs> <laughs> no, if UD was played outside, if college basketball was played outside, in the heat, boiling heat, like, it is, like today or what, 100 degrees plus, accounting the humidity and everything, you have a lot of older UD basketball fans, uh, Justin, that I don't think would go to those games because of the heat. 
because of their health. And they warn people, especially older people, not to go outside if they don't have to. And I think if if it's in the arena, even though you might be warm and everything like that, but but it's safer. It's safer. But if outside, if it was the games were played outside, I think you would see attendance drop a little bit. Because a, a, a lot of older people are UD fans, and, and I think they would stay away from those games simply because of the heat. So you think, I mean, now, now, like now, let's now, say now, all those old people before die. You start, before you start, in, in <laughs> cold weather, raining weather, they'd be there. They would absolutely be there. But in the heat, with a heat stroke, is a, even younger people are not uh, immune from heat stroke. So I think you would see, uh, I think you'd see a drop in the attendance. I really do. Well, I mean, to act as if that, the only UD fans in town are all old, and that if they all just passed no, away no, no, all at one time, that, that there no. wouldn't be young fans to replace them. I mean, the only reason young fans don't replace them in the lower bowls is because they've been clinching onto their season tickets since they got them decades ago, which more power I to ne- them. I, but I, I'm just- I never said all UD fans were old. I never said that. I said a lot of them are older people. A lot of them uh-huh. are older people, and, and, and they're retired like me and everything. And, yes, I probably would go in a couple of games in the well, heat. The old people but, but, wouldn't, but there will be young people that will take their seats. That's true. That's true. But 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 then again, you never know. I mean, I still think you'd see a drop, and maybe not a huge drop, but you, because UD fans are, oh my God, they're are like any fans in the in the United States. But you would still see a drop. Before I go, though, I, I'm going to ask you, uh, how do you guys think Seattle is going to do this year, uh, Seahawks? Like they play in the toughest division in football. From time if the worst team in your division is the Cardinals, mm. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a pretty tough division. I think it's going to be tough. I just think the Seahawks always have enough talent on both sides of the ball to be good and solid. I just never look at them as Super Bowl favorites. That's why they. That's the thing when you get, and it's not a Seahawks thing. It's across the league. The examples of whenever teams give their quarterback the max money, which they deserve. I'm not ripping that, but it's like you lose the resources to be able to have a dominant side of the ball. You don't have a dominant defense. You don't have a dominant offense. You just become well-rounded offensively, solid defensively, but then those shortcomings are what cost you come playoff time. Yeah. I think the Seahawks will are going to be good this year, like they're good every year, but I just don't think they have that punch. The Metcalf, his development has kind of added an element to them that I don't know if they were anticipating that or not, because they don't have enough money to go out and get an elite wide receiver, but the development of him has definitely opened up that offense a bit. I think they'll be solid, but I just don't think they're dominant think on either they're, side of the ball. That's one all. One more quick thing, and then I'll promise I'll go. Do you think that they are uh, uh, they, could, they can get into the playoffs and maybe win at least one playoff game? I mean, right now you have the the Rams. If it, Here's the deal. If the, if the quarterback situation with the Niners, if it's Trey Lance and he takes off the way many people are saying, it's going to be tough to be better than the Niners when you look at the Di- Niners' dominant defense and that dominant offensive line and the weapons they have. And then you look at the Rams. If if Matthew Stafford ends up being what everyone's anticipating him being in L.A. and really taking what was an average offense with Goff and opening it up even more in that defense, too, it's going to be tough for them to be better than them. I I don't know, Mikey. Justin, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough. I really but do. But Justin, you, you guys, both of you guys have been around sports long enough to know the only predictable thing about sports is its unpredictability. I mean, uh, injuries can happen. That's right. Illnesses. You know. Let's count on illnesses. Let's count on injuries, Mikey. That's the spirit. Maybe maybe a player gets in trouble with the law. You know. The- <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Maybe an asteroid hits Earth and, you know, I don't know. Hey, Mikey, yeah. great hearing from you. Congrats on the uh, retirement. Thank you. Bye-bye. What the hell just happened? <laughs> Mikey and Shaw battling it out for caller of the day, baby. I tell you All what. right, I got a quick question for you. It was a harder division, AFC East, AFC North, or NFC West? 
One more time. AFC North, AFC East, or NFC West? Then you're asking me what? Harder division. The toughest division? Yeah, out of those three. All right, that's a tease. Well, I have that answer for you on the other side. So, again, the AFC East, the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, the AFC North, the Browns, and that's all you need to know. And then the NFC West, the Cardinals, Rams, Niners, and Seahawks. I mean, my goodness, we're going to talk about, we'll rank those three from, from easiest to most difficult right there. We'll be back in a moment. Easiest. <laughs> easiest. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Glacier Softwater Game of the Week. Listen live at 1410 Wing AM. Governor Mike DeWine's at Bengals practice today. He was annoying a lot of the players as he was going around making sure that their their masks were secure, that their their face masks were secure. <laughs> like, get off. Mind your business. The Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Gotta love Twitter. Obesity is trending on Twitter. I haven't even clicked on it. Don't want to know why. Just find it funny. I always think they're talking about me at that point. He's, he's working at Centerville, and he was trying... Hey, great to see you. Can I get you anything? You're going to be set up in here. I ignored every word he said. I didn't even respond to him. And he came back out. He goes, you're coming? I'm like, hold on. Very helpful dude. But, man, it was hot. You know, it's at first, you know, it's funny. High school football is so strange. You know, I think about the very hot, muggy, humid mm-hmm. days when the season starts. And then by the time we're crowning state champions in November, you're going to be watching the breath come out of the players' mouths whenever you're watching them on TV uh, for the state championships, right? Like football, you know. So there you go. But, hey, a lot of fans, though. A lot of fans were at the game in the heat. Shaw, just saying. All the parents were there, just saying. They didn't say, oh, it's too hot. How no. do those camo jerseys look on the field? They look cool. I didn't, uh, now, again, I, I like, anytime you do camo jerseys, they're sweet, but the numbering, they had black numbers on them, so it's mm-hmm. tough to see from where we were. But there's, anytime you do the camo jerseys, those are pretty cool. Wright State does them for, uh, for that. So I found out. That Wright State was supposed to play Army one year, and that's why they got those camo jerseys. That's how those came about. Really? And that game got called off. It got nixed or whatever it was supposed to be. So they had those jerseys. So now they every year they wear those, you know, I think once or twice a season. They're really cool. But they have the, like, the yellow numbering on. They're a little easier to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're pretty cool. I, I, um, I have noticed in high school football, like Trotwood and Wayne, I noticed a lot. Like they roll out some really cool jerseys every once in a while. Like I remember growing up, we our school got a cease and desist from Ohio State because we had the same exact jerseys as Ohio State. You have no idea how cool that was. Like to like I was just a little kid. You'd go watch the high school the varsity team, and if you felt like you were watching Ohio State, like it was really cool. Good but yeah. old Ohio State. <laughs> so, Look for the little guy. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, like I said, you we know, laugh about uh, Oklahoma State sending ESPN a cease and desist. <laughs> Ohio State sent a public school a cease and desist. Yeah. We also got one from Washington State as well because after that, we changed the the Van Wert logo as a V and then the W, but we're the Cougars. So the, the, the W head that came out was a Cougar head, mm-hmm. just like Washington State's mm-hmm. or whatever. So that was on our jerseys, and then we were pumped about that, and then we get one from them. Now, Good. when Ohio State said you won, you backed that. You're like, yeah, that's all right. But I'm like, who the hell are you? You should be thanking us. <laughs> you should be thanking us for wearing something that even looks like what you guys are. No one even knows who you are. So there's that. Mm-hmm. 
Ay, ay, ay. Uh, we got over-under coming up. We did push that back a little bit. I do have a question, folks. Joey Votto, Reds fans. Joey Votto just having... I have never... Kev, Kev, can you think of an example of a player that was an all-time great and then Derrick Rose, I guess... But Derek Rose is it, didn't. Uh, let me finish the question before I'm answering it. My goodness, Kenner, and I need to answer your question. My ADD is in full force today. Hold up. The Joey Votto question I have is this: Can you think of an example of a player that was an all-time great and age caught up with them, declined, and then all of a sudden is reemerged back as a star? Joey Votto is a superstar this year. Joey Votto, this has been so fun to watch, to watch a Reds team that's back in the playoff hunt, that if the season ended today, the Reds are playing in October, and Joey Votto is not just enjoying the ride, because sometimes you get that. You'll get an old veteran player that's just kind of riding the coattails of the success of the younger players, and it's kind of being done as like a farewell, to, you know, con- you know, the, you want the old veteran player to be able to experience the postseason right. again, right? But Joey Votto is a main contributor. Yesterday, they, they, you know, in front of the, the sold-out 16,000 fans at Great American Ballpark, um, you know, they were just sending him to first base. They didn't even want to pitch to him. They didn't want to pitch to him. Like, so I've, I can't think of an example of that, where a player, a superstar, an all-time great, his talent goes away, father time catches up with him, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're back and better than ever. It's really cool. As a Reds fan, I'm watching yesterday, great player, good player after good player. Castellanos gets a pop from the crowd, all 16,000 of them. He gets a pop from the crowd. Moustakis hits a home run. The crowd goes crazy. Votto draws a walk, and the place goes nuts. Like, he's just a different, he's on a different level as far as stardom is concerned with Reds fans. And I want to see him end his career with the Reds. But the question I have is, Joey Votto, we've always talked about, should the Reds move on from Joey Votto? You don't move on from an all-time great to get pennies. But the reason you would get pennies is because Joey Votto's had no value the last three years. My thing is this. Do you do the cutthroat thing, and now that Joey Votto has value, do you move on from him now? Is now the time you trade Joey Votto in the offseason because he has value? Or How many do you years left he got on the contract? Two. So that's the thing, or one. I think next, you know, in 2012, he signed the extension. So I think it's 23. I need to look that up before I give that. Because he got the 10-year extension. He signed the 10-year $225 million deal in 2012. So I can't remember if that extension was from 2012 to 22, or if they signed the extension with the year left on his original deal, which would have then sent him through 23. After the 23 season. So they, do you trade him now? Not now, as in right now. I know we still have a playoff push to finish, but I thought I never was a fan of the idea of trading Joey Votto because I'm like, well, he doesn't have any value. He's an all-time great. You don't trade an all-time great just to get someone's back-end prospect, right? Like, you don't do it. But now you would get some serious return for Joey Votto, so that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, and I don't, and I'm asking this question without having an answer because it feels kind of dirty saying to trade Joey Votto right now, who is literally a contributor. He's not just on a playoff team. He is a contributor to this playoff team, and that is what makes him special right now. But now is as this offseason coming up, Joey Votto's stock will not be any higher than what it's going to be this coming up offseason. Okay, just so we're all on the same page. Votto signed a 10-year deal, $225 million contract that is not set to expire until after the 2023 season. Votto also has a $20 million option in 2024 with a buyout of $7 million. So... Again, you're married to him for a little bit, and my thing is this. It's tough to find an all-star first baseman, and I don't know if Joey Votto is going to be an all-star next year. We don't know if this play will resume next year, but his power numbers are 
back they're through the roof right now. I mean, what he's doing, it shouldn't be happening. That's why I asked earlier, Kev, I can't think of a sport where an all-time great, a superstar, his his talents just diminished because of you know getting older, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere picked up. The closest example I could think of, I guess, was Derrick Rose with the Knicks this past year. But it's tough in the NBA, mainly because I was told earlier you can't compare sports by Mr. David Shaw. But anyway, uh, Derrick Rose didn't, you know, it would be one thing if he was with the Bulls and then reemerges the star to carry the Bulls, but he's carrying Coach Thibbs' team, which is who he had won his MVP and had all his success with in Chicago. But Derrick Rose is the closest I can think of as a guy that was elite, MVP, right up there with LeBron talent-wise, and then, you know, injuries and Father Time caught up with him. And then last year, I don't even think Father Time had a chance to catch up with him. Yeah, it's true. The injuries, the injuries, <laughs> the injuries beat him up. Took him out now, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I would really have to think about it. I would imagine it would only be in baseball, though, right? Because baseball is the only sport where they kind of you can still hang on. You know what I'm saying? You can hang on to your career because contracts are obviously guaranteed and everything like that, and you can switch positions. Like you know, you can switch from an outfielder to a first baseman to all right, man, you're a DH now in the American League. Like you can actually stretch your career out uh, uh, quite a ways. But once you're done in football, you're done. Once you lose that burst, you're done. Once you lose that ability in basketball to be athletic and everything like that, you're pretty much done. the The only name that really comes to mind would be a mellow like he was he was done he was out of the nba and then you know he goes to uh, portland has a rash of injuries they dial him up he comes in he averages uh 15 points per game as a third option and then he averages 15 points a game off the bench this past season so like that's the only guy in a different sport that comes to mind that I can think of. I'm sure there's other people. Um, I'm going to cheat in Google. So, but no, that's that's a great example. But the one reason that talent's always been there in Mello, and what Mello has done that doesn't get enough credit is putting his ego aside and accepting who he is within this time period of his career. Too many greats were not willing to accept that. And by the way, I I respect that. Allen Iverson comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Allen Iverson not being willing to accept reality of him not being an all uh, being a great player anymore. That's what led to him continuously coming back for random short stints of time, like with the Pistons. Memphis. He came back to the Sixers. Memphis. I forgot about the Memphis run, uh, and it didn't work because Allen Iverson in his head was still the answer. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean. But you know his play did not match. You know, Father Time caught up with him, but he couldn't return to that. Mello hasn't returned to being. He's he is great within his role. But Joey Votto's not great for his age or great right. for his role. Joey Votto has returned back to what he was he when was, he was in the. Right. So I do like that Mello example, and I'm Mello. I'm giving kudos to in a different light of his greatness is coming from re, from accepting his new reality of okay, I can't be who I used to be, but for who I am and what my role is. I'm going to keep doing what I've always done, and I'm going to be great at what I do, and I'm going to be great at being a role player. Um, and Dwight Howard, who I do not care for, mm-hmm. I have to give him that same credit, too, right. in the NBA because he should be out of the league right now with how great he used to be, but he has accepted that I'm just going to be a solid, rebounding, big man with experience in the post. He's not the Dwight Howard of old, so i got to give him kudos on that. Guys usually don't accept that role, and it's tough for them. That's why Dwayne Wade's retired because he. I heard an interview the other day that just said he could still play in the league today. They asked if he could come out of retirement to play for the Lakers. He goes, oh, absolutely, but he said he goes, what he can't do that others are doing is accepting 
being great within their new roles. He goes, I could be a great guy off the bench. He goes, but I can't. I want to be a starter. And he goes, and me coming out of retirement to try to be a starter is hurting the team because we're forcing a square peg in a round hole. I thought that interview was cool, and that's what got me to thinking about this Joey Votto thing. Joey Votto's not a square peg being forced in a round hole. Joey Votto is one of the best players on this team right now. And I never thought we'd see that. But just something to think about. What would you see? I'm looking. I, I kind of try to cheat, but then I got derailed into this uh, comeback player of the year. And comeback player of the year in the NFL is basically just guys that got injured, injured. The year before. Yeah. And then they come back and play as themselves. So that's not. Do they have a comeback player of the year in MLB? That's a good baseball. They have so many dang awards. They, you know, they have so many awards in baseball. So I, I'm maybe help um, us out. Five one eight fourteen. Shaw, get on your job. Uh, oh, I think he's pouting. I think he too, he checked out. But uh, you know, but they we're do live have on a comeback player of the year. Oh, interesting. Could be Votto. Could be Votto. Uh, but you, but Kev, the comeback player of the year. They need to make a new award. The who. Who came back off of an injury? The best award. <laughs> but I want a comeback player of the year award that who was down and out. Like for instance, here's a great example: Eugenio Suarez. He's hitting 176 this year, not great. If next year he hits 290 and 35 bombs and whatever, that's a that would be an example of a comeback player of the year. Not oh he was out with Tommy John and then came back to lead the league and win a Cy Young. That's not comeback award because you never went anywhere. You your injury kept you off the field, but like. You know, you have a down year and you bounce back up. But no, Joey Votto, folks, and I've been very critical of Votto over the years. Like, I, I got his jersey. I was wearing his jersey to the game yesterday. I was one of the 16,000 fans at Great American <laughs> Ballpark, baby. Um, so there's that. But no, I, it just got me to thinking. I haven't seen anything like this in sports. Joey Votto is doing something right now that I have not seen in sports before. And that is a team's all-time great player. Going through the natural, like Joey Votto's done nothing wrong, by the way. Joey Votto has just gone through the natural course of a sports career timeline. Great. Getting paid. Great. Having more MVP caliber seasons. In fact, his 2017 season, he was statistically better than the year he won the MVP earlier in the decade. So, it's just, and then watching what he's doing now, he is literally dangerous at the plate. Teams are just automatically walking him to take the bat out of his hands. Like, you don't, he's 37. He's old. <laughs> in baseball terms, he's old. In athlete terms, he's old. I've never seen anything like this, not in baseball, not in any other sport, and it's really cool. It's really cool. So I asked, the Reds have a tough decision to make. Everyone's like, oh, the Reds should trade him. The Reds aren't going to trade him just to get some back-end prospect in Cincinnati. They're not. But right now, Joey Votto could potentially bring a little bit more, and I think that the Reds should maybe entertain it. Randy on YouTube he says, strategically, yes, trade Votto, but those 16,000 fans at GABP would drop to 5,000 without Votto on the team. Well, you know it's hot. So, Fun fact. Bring us the fun facts. Ken Griffey Jr. was the first NL winner of the Comeback Player of the Year in 05. In, in Cincinnati? Yep. Yep. Oh, there you go. Uh, Griffey experienced several injuries from the 2000-2004 season, including a hamstring, torn uh, knee tendon, dislocated shoulder, torn uh, ankle tissue. Coming back in 05, he batted 301, hitting 35 home runs. Most since 2000. What do you know? Google machine, man. Gotta love it. Kev Nash brings us over. Un- nope, 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 nope. Kev Nash asked us a question that we will answer to start the 5 o'clock hour. He asked us. All right, when you look at the AFC East, the AFC North, and the NFC West, rank those three divisions from the toughest division to the least. 
The NFC West has, of course, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Niners, the Rams. The AFC East has the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. And the AFC North has the Ravens, Browns, and Steelers. And then that team they call the Bengals in there as well. So we'll even lump them. We'll include them. We'll include the Bengals in this conversation. How about that? We'll be back in a moment. Hour 3 coming up next. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Listen, stream, watch. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on Dayton's... Now, let's send it to the WING studios for Dayton's only local sports talk show. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. So apparently Jamar Chase has had a big day of practice. Bengals fans chomping already uh, chirping at me saying, oh, what do you got to say now? As Jamar Chase has a huge day, bounce back day at practice. Joe Burrow plays great. And other notes from today's Bengals practice, according to all Bengals on Twitter. James Rapine runs that. We've had him on multiple times, covers the Bengals for Sports Illustrated. Uh, my response to Jamar Chase having a good practice today is, for one, good. And two, he had a good practice. He caught the ball. He did what he's supposed to. It's that simple. Toughest division to the least toughest of those three. We could even do all of them if we want. So it, it can make, we could do that another time. But... You look at the NFC West with the Cardinals, the Rams, the Niners, and Seahawks. You have the East with the Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Jets out of the AFC. And then, of course, the AFC North with the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, and, yes, even that team in Cincinnati. No, not the Bearcats, the other football team in town, the Bengals. So, with that being said, which is the toughest? I think we're traditionally used to saying that the AFC North is the toughest. I think that, honestly, even though I poke fun at the Bengals, the Bengals are... What hinges the the AFC North being the toughest division? It all it all ba- it's all based on the Bengals, Kev. Mm-hmm. Because you're only when you talk about the toughest divisions in football, you're only as good as your worst team as a whole. So if on the for me right now, I have to say that the NFC West is the toughest division in football, and I don't think that's really a hot take. I mean, the Niners can win a Super Bowl this year. The Rams can win a Super Bowl this year. The Seahawks. Wouldn't be Super Bowl favorites, but they could if things go right and, and Russell Wilson has an MVP season. Last year, remember, he caught fire. Then he started throwing a lot of picks. He just has to be more consistent. But if he cleans that up, the Seahawks are Super Bowl contenders. The Cardinals aren't Super Bowl contenders, but that's an eight-win, nine-win team. And if your worst team in your division is winning eight to nine games, that your that division top to bottom is pretty good. And you look at the talent on the Cardinals, on both offense and defense, if that's your last-place team, that's a hell of a division. If you look at the AFC East, all right, that's the Bills division. The Patriots, I have a hard time counting out of winning this division, mainly because we ripped the Bill, the Bank, or the the Patriots last year, Kev. They won seven games, <laughs> and that was an atrocious roster. Everyone's like, oh, see, Tom Brady won. Bill Belichick did it. Tom Brady is the goat. Bill Belichick was riding the coattails. Look, they both, I think, were equal. If you put Tom Brady on that roster last year, how many more than seven wins are they going to have? Three? Three more? Are they nine wins? Ten wins, Kev? But the thing is, you can't win in the NFL without a quarterback, so to expect Bill Belichick to do anything more with that group is laughable. And the fact that they won seven games, when you think about it, is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm going with the NFC West, number one, AFC North, two, AFC East, third, Um much like you believe, um, I think it's a lot of contenders to win the Super Bowl that's coming out of the AFC, NFC West. I mean, you know, I may not be the biggest Matthew Stafford fan in the world, but 
if he's not turning the ball over like he did when he was at the Lions, if he's throwing it to the right team with all those weapons out there in Los Angeles, I know that uh, Cam Akers is out for the season, but, you know, they'll plug that running back position. And you take a look at the AFC North. We know the AFC North up and down. We talk AFC North constantly on this show. But we can just go ahead and look at the AFC East. You look at how we're expecting the New England Patriots to have a bounce back year. They spent a lot of money in free agency. And they're getting guys back from the defensive side of the ball that opted out last year because of COVID. You know, people forget that players were, quote unquote, allowed to opt out last season. So they're returning a lot of starters back on that defense. And you got to think, like, Bill Belichick has got to be thinking, like, look, man, Tom Brady went down to Tampa. He has an ego, too. You know what I'm saying? He has an ego. He's like, look, man, we got to we gotta re- retool, and we got to get back in this thing. Like, I've been dominating the AFC East for decades, and now the Buffalo Bills are here? No, this is my this is my division to win all the time. This is me. So, Bill Belichick, he's out to win this thing this year. And then you look at the improvements that the Dolphins have made, not only to the offensive line, but the weapons around Tua. Everybody down there loves Byron Ford as the head coach. So they're loaded. And obviously the things that Buffalo did last year, you're expecting them to take another jump. And then you look at the Jets. Now the Jets have been dysfunctional for uh, since Mark Sanchez. And even when Sanchez was the quarterback there, they were dysfunctional then. But, you know, you take a look at how Zach Wilson's been performing in the preseason, you may have something. You know, you got Corey Davis, the free agent receiver that they picked up from the Titans out there. Looked like they got a connection. So, it's a lot of teams out there that can be sneaky good. But like you said, it's about the quote-unquote worst team in each of those divisions. So, you take a look at the Jets, Bengals, Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are the best of the quote-unquote worst of those teams and I mean you can even make an argument that the Cardinals are better than the Seahawks and without a doubt the Seahawks are better than the Bengals and the Jets and by the way Kyler Murray's um his progression from this offseason if I'm not saying Kyler Murray's better than Russell Wilson but if Kyler Murray takes that step forward to be a top six quarterback in the NFL which is pot I mean that's why you drafted him number one overall and he has the it's not just that. It's because he has the weapons that he has. Um, A.J. Green, uh, like I'm hearing a lot of positive things about him out of camp. I don't know how much I buy into that. A.J. Green could be the Joey Votto of the NFL. Remember we <laughs> talked earlier about great players who decline due to injury and age oh, and then all of a sudden not just come back and have a solid year but have a great year. I don't know what a great year looks like for A.J. Green, but when you have Hopkins and you have the weapons that they have and the great run, uh, solid run game, good solid offensive line, great defensive names, don't know if I'm willing to say great defense, but they have great defensive yeah, names. Baker. They, uh, you know, and then J.J. Watt and others, and J.J. Watt is still great. Like, J.J. Watt, the only reason he's out of Houston is because, well, that Titanic was sinking and sinking fast. I mean, the Cardinals, you know, got a solid player there. So, but you're right. When you look at the bottom of all those divisions, you know, the Cardinals are the, the last, or they're considered the worst in the NFC West. But you're right. They could, depending on Kyler Murray's um, progression, could be better than the Seahawks. And even if it's the Seahawks or Cardinals, they're still better than the Steelers, or I'm sorry, still better than the Bengals, still better than the Jets. I don't, I'm not a big AFC East guy. Um, really? I, I, I think that Buffalo, and this might be the Browns fan in me, and I'm willing to eat that, but. I still think that the Bills have weaknesses. I'm not. I'm not. I need to see two years in a row from Josh Allen. The same I need to see from Baker Mayfield. But I think that the Browns roster overall is way better than the Buffalo Bills top to bottom. So let me ask you this: So you don't think the AFC East is the third best division in NFL? 
You think there's a better outside of the AFC North and NFC West? You think I would there's take another division the better AFC than West over the East is what I would take. I would take the AFC yeah. West over the East. Mainly just because of how top heavy the Chiefs are. Like that they're that over the top. Okay. The Raiders are I mean the Raiders are Dolphins. If you had to put money on one of those two teams to to have more wins than the other, who are you picking? I don't think it's that simple. I think it's safe to I think you want to say the Dolphins, but right. if you have to put money on it, it's like, oh man, the better quarterback as at least right now is Carr, but Carr is definitely a better quarterback, but I like the Dolphins defense and I know it's special teams, blah, 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 blah. but they had the best special teams unit in the NFL with uh punting, with field goal kicking and punt returns last year. I know that's like a forgotten phase of the game, but trust me, when your team has a punt return, you know they have that great magical stat that if you return a punt, you win the game. It's like 95% at the time that you return a punt, you win the game. They had multiple punt returns last season for the Dolphins. Like, team-wise, overall, I will go with the Dolphins, but the most important position on the field is quarterback. And as average as people think that Derek Carr is, I don't think Derek Carr is average. I think he's a tick above average. I would rather him be my quarterback than Tua. I'm not a, the biggest Tua fan out there. Yep, and the thing is, you talk about those special teams, with Tua as your quarterback, you'll punt a lot. I kick a lot of field goals, too. But the Chargers are going to be very good this year. Justin Herbert was the real deal. While everyone was drooling over Joe Burrow last year, I was over here saying, hey, why don't you guys pay attention to the the actual great rookie quarterback that is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was a million times better than than Joe Burrow last year. Now, Joe Burrow's team had less talent, but... The Chargers' offensive line was as bad as Joe Burrow's, and, jo- and Justin Herbert was still able to come out. And you, actually, you know what? Justin uh, Joe Burrow had just as many weapons, if not more, offensively. So if you if the offensive lines cancel each other out, when you look at the performances of Herbert and Burrow, both had great rookie years. Herbert still was just that upper echelon quarterback. I mean, he was a top ten quarterback last year um, as a rookie. Joe Burrow was not a top ten quarterback last year as a rookie. You think the Bengals had just as much offense or weapons as the Chargers? I mean, with Boyd and T. Higgins, and you have Joe Mixon. Now they Neither didn't. one of them is as good as uh, uh, Keenan Allen. But just because they're not performing well, doesn't mean that they're not still... I mean, those are weapons, but your weapons aren't performing well. Now, is it because of you, the quarterback? <laughs> is it because of your 12-year-old coach, Zach Taylor? Uh, I don't know. But I'd definitely rather take Keenan Allen and Mike Williams over both the starting receivers for the Bengals. boy. Yeah, I like it. I think those dudes are way better. They were better... Before Herbert was throwing in the ball, when Phillip Rivers was throwing in the ball, they were better. I think those dudes are just more talented than the receivers last year for the Bengals. Now, we're going to see what Jamar Chase added to the mix for the Cincinnati Bengals. Is that talent level going to spike up for them? We're going to see if he can hang on to the ball. So, we're going to find out for sure. Some guy on Facebook, and that's his name, some guy. Oh, hey. He says, the AFC West is better than AFC East. Belichick is going to have to prove to me that it wasn't all Tom. Look, (laughs) um, and some guy, and no, I I agree with what some guy is saying to an extent, but let's be honest here. The worst sports take in the world right now is that Tom Brady proved last year that it was all Tom and not Belichick. That I, I am having a hard time, and I hear actual millionaire sports analysts on ESPN say this, and it, it baffles me. They're, not, they're both running a race that they did not start from the same starting block. They don't play on equal rosters. It's not like Bill Belichick had Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady was with the Bucks. It's not like Bill Belichick had a Super Bowl caliber team and Tom Brady played on a Super Bowl caliber team and Tom Brady beat Bill Belichick's Super Bowl team. 
I mean, it's insane to look at the roster that Bill Belichick had and sit here and try to base the win-loss comparisons and say, oh, see, it clearly was Tom Brady. Tom, Bill Belichick didn't have a quarterback. And Cam Newton, was, if Cam Newton was the same from beginning to end, maybe a slightly different conversation. But even with a good Cam Newton, receivers, running game, offensive line, defense, that was not a good Patriots roster. That wasn't even a full roster. Half their defense opted out last year. Why do people keep doing this thing where they're basing the results of the Patriots and comparing it to the results of the Bucks with Tom Brady, who had every big name imaginable? You st- I don't care about Antonio Brown's numbers not being great. Antonio Brown was the guy when he was with the Steelers. He was one of the guys with, with um, Tampa. He was actually third in total catches and third in total receiving yards, and he only played eight games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Antonio Brown was still great for for the Bucks last year. Maybe not that lights-out guy we saw with Pittsburgh, but stop acting like Tom Brady took a bunch of scrubs to win a Super Bowl. That is not what happened, not even close. Leonard Fournette, I know it wasn't Leonard Fournette that we saw with the Jaguars, but, I mean, they had talent all over both sides of the ball. I don't want to hear that Tom Brady led a bunch of scrubs to a Super Bowl and that that's how he trumped what Bill Belichick did. Bill Belichick won seven games with an embarrassing roster. In a division with Buffalo, in a division with Miami, who was one of the best coached teams last year. I actually am impressed with what Bill Belichick did, but I do believe that because he has the weapons this year, the pressure will be on Bill Belichick more so than Tom Brady. Tom Brady's already won his Super Bowl elsewhere. Tom Brady could not win another game the rest of his time in the NFL, and it's not going to change his legacy. Bill Belichick has to win, has to win a lot of games this year. And I think that the Bills aren't bulletproof. I think that they're beatable. And if Mac Jones or Cam Newton are playing great football, are they better than Josh Allen? No. But the Buck or but the Patriots team I, as a team maybe still won't be as good as the Bills, but I think they could beat the Bills. I don't think that the gap between the Bills and the Patriots is like this like unsurmountable, you know, approach for the Patriots to be able to reach. I just don't. Yeah, I'm with you. And also like the people that are saying like it was all Tom Brady, like I don't know what games they've been watching for the last twenty plus years because I vividly remember the Patriots beating the Rams in the Super Bowl back in 02. And that was the fastest show on turf Rams with Kurt Warner, with Azir Hakeem, with Isaac Bruce, with Marshall Falk, a team that was averaging like 40 points a game. Tom Brady don't play defense. Bill Belichick's schemes and defense held them to 17 points. And then in the latest Super Bowl that the Patriots won, they beat the Rams again, slowing the number one scoring offense in the league, the Rams again, to three points. Again, Tom Brady don't play defense, and Tom Brady's offense scored 13 points. So he stopped the best offense in the NFL twice in Super Bowls, held them to 17, and then uh, like 20 years later, held them three points. So these schemes that Tom Brady, I mean that Bill Belichick is coming up with, to help his team win, he's a part of those wins too. So people that are trying to say that Bill Belichick is just riding on to Tom Brady's coattails, you got this mixed up, man. You don't understand the game of football. There's two. There's more than just one guy controlling the whole thing. This is a team effort, and a lot of this, as you know, as a Browns fan, coaches matter. They matter in this league. Like the Browns have taken a major leap, and most of that leap is because of the coach. The reason the Pittsburgh Steelers can have a dude named Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph go out there and play quarterback for them and still not have a losing season is because of Mike Tomlin, because of culture and having his team ready to play football. So y'all miss me with that, that Bill Belichick ain't that guy. Yeah, coaching your Steelers are why 
I buy in. I mean, it, that wasn't the only reason why, but that season without Big Ben, finishing eight hundred with those two horrible quarterbacks, like One that was game away. that was coaching, and that's the thing. They were a five hundred team because of good coaching. The Patriots were a game away from being five hundred last year because of coaching. Like, Bill, look, I'm not like a a diehard Bill Belichick fan, but. I am no, I so can't stand am, him. I'm <laughs> so amazed at the people that are just trying to totally say it was all Tom Brady and not Bill Belichick. It wasn't all Bill Belichick and no Tom Brady, but it sure as hell was not all Tom Brady and no Bill Belichick. In the NFL, your team, you need a quarterback to win. If you don't have a quarterback, you're just you're floating out there. You're you're not going to get to that next level. We see this real quick. Finish your point. Then. So since I don't watch ESPN like I used to, so. Who who who's saying this? Is it the former players on ESPN, the Talking Heads, or is it the the analysts? Who's, I, the, who? I mean, it's the get ups and the the first takes that I watch. You know, watch Colin Cowherd all the time. I watch radio. You know, I, I, I watch Greeny, and it's, a lot of that is they keep throwing out the narrative that you know Bill Belichick needs to. Pr- Bill, these both, and to be honest, to be fair to Tom Brady, even if he would have gone to Tampa, they win nine, ten, eleven games a year. They don't win a Super Bowl. His legacy is not tarnished. Yeah, it's tough to be to get to build a Super Bowl team. Good teams don't always win Super Bowls. The Steelers haven't won one in a long time, and their best teams over the last decade have probably been better than some of those Super Bowl winning teams over the last two decades. That team with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, skill wise, that team is better than the team that won those Super Bowls in the 2000 to 2010 run. Good teams don't always; those right. great teams don't always win a championship. That's what makes the journey to these things so fun to follow, is because of that. But, but yeah, to sit there and say that Bill Belichick, that you know the pressure's on, the pressure's on because he wants to win. But it's not because he's proving he he has to do something without Tom Brady. If if here's the deal: if Bill Belichick was coaching the Bills with Josh Allen and that talent, and then they don't win with that, I could see why people could take that narrative and run. Bill Belichick had a bad roster. And this roster this year is better. It's yeah. solid, but it's not better than the Bills. It's not better than the Browns. It's not better uh, than the Ravens. It's not better than a lot of the, the the Chiefs. There's a lot of teams that are better constructed than right than they are right now. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> hey, you want to bring us over under? Sure. All right. Kev Nash brings us over under on the other side of the break. Also, Joey Chestnut's trending on Twitter. Oh no. Due to. Well, eating one hot dog could take 35 minutes off your life. How many years of Joey Chestnut's life has he eaten away? We'll talk about that next. Do we have to? A real sport. (laughs) It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Buckeyes kick off the season a week from this Thursday right here on Dayton's Home of the Buckeyes. 1410 ESPN Radio and our sister station, 92.9 Jack FM. You're the sports guy. I am the sports guy. I'll, I'll, I'll take care. <clears throat> so, immediately following the show tonight, we have our Buckeye season kickoff preview show. And, of course, big news out of Columbus over the weekend, or was it? Uh, Ryan Day, head coach for the Buckeyes, announced his starter. C.J. Stroud will be the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes. And it's interesting. I had a friend ask me, and, of course, listening to radio over the weekend and, and hearing some reports come out, that C.J. Stroud just won the job to start the season. And just like every other quarterback battle out there, of course, you have to maintain a certain level of greatness to keep your job. But C.J. Stroud might just be holding down the fort to give Quinn Ewers more time to get prepared. Could we be watching what we saw with Kelly Bryant and 
you know, of course, uh, looking to, back at Clemson when Kelly Bryant was the starting quarterback until they got to hand it off to their st- new starting quarterback at the time, who, of course, was just the number one overall pick. Um, and why is the name just spacing? You saw me just kind of buying time there. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. I've said that name a billion times. I've defended <laughs> Trevor Lawrence on this show, and I literally was like trying to make eye contact with you, like, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. Throw a life raft here. Uh, but, no, can we be seeing... What we saw out of Clemson years ago when Kelly Bryant was the starter who was undefeated when he had the job taken from him uh, when it was handed to, of course, Trevor Lawrence. Could we potentially be seeing that? And at the end of the day, is that a bad thing? I think the only way Ryan Day would take the job from C.J. Stroud games into the season to give it to Quinn Ewers is if Quinn Ewers is that good. Debo Sweeney had to make that decision years ago, and it obviously paid off. Clemson won the national championship that year, and it wasn't as if Kelly Bryant was bad. Kelly Bryant led them to the playoff the year before. Kelly Bryant had them undefeated that year with Clemson. Kelly Bryant was not Trevor Lawrence. So C.J. Stroud could be a lot of things. He could be really, really good. And he is. And they could be undefeated. And they could be winning games. And Buckeye fans could feel good. He could be really, really good. But if he's not Quinn Ewers good, could we see a repeat of what we saw from Clemson with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence years ago, Kev? No. Uh, that's on my over. On to the next show. <laughs> that's on my. I got all my hot takes for that for, for the over. Well, then you know what? Shut me up. Kev Nash brings us over under. First time in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kev, over, under. Kick us off. It's been a while. Yes, indeed. The Cincinnati Reds have won three straight games, sweeping the Marlins in a three-game set. Up next for the Reds, a three-game series versus the NL-leading Milwaukee Brewers. Over, under, one-and-a-half wins for the Reds during this series. Oh, man. I'm going to say under. I I think they dropped two or three to the Brewers. Um, I think right now... It's one thing to be to experience the chase of being in the playoffs, Kev. Like you know what I mean? Like you're when the Reds are the underdog and they're chasing the playoffs. But right now it's not so much the Brewers that are intimidating them. I think it's the reality of, oh man, we we're in. If the season ended today, the Reds are in the playoffs. And up until over the weekend, the Reds were playing from behind. They were they were chasing. Mm-hmm. They were the you know that when you get those little gnats and you're constantly like just waving them off and they're constantly the Reds have been that to the Padres and they were for the Brewers for a while. But now it's a lot different when you are chasing the Padres and chasing the Brewers and then when you're trying to hold the Padres off. And I think that this is a very interesting series for the Reds and the Brewers because the Reds have an opportunity to close the gap within the NL Central. I still think they have a chance in the Central. It's a long shot. But if you could be six games back heading in, maybe five games back heading into October, into September, you give yourself a fighter's chance. I think if you're seven games back or further heading into heading into September, you don't have a chance. So this is an important series. I hope that the Reds keep that mentality of, oh, we're chasing the Brewers. I hope that the Reds don't do what, what a lot of us have done is, is count them out of the NL Central race and just look at them as wild card team. Because if they look at themselves as just the wild card team, they now look in the mirror and see, oh, wow, we're, we're in the playoffs if this playoff started today. And trying to fight to stay in the playoff picture versus chasing the playoff picture, it's a completely different mentality. And don't forget, there's a lot of young players on this roster. Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, you look at Gutierrez, the pitcher. There's a lot of rookies, a lot of rookies who play a lot of big roles. The pressure's different when you are trying to sustain your lead as opposed to chasing and being the hunter versus being the hunted. The Reds, with all these rookies, are the hunted now. 
and I think that could be a little concerning. I'm going to say they're going to be under one and a half games in this Brewers series, Kev, for that very reason right there. But I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again, and I hope I'm wrong this time. But I'm going to take the under. Man, Milwaukee is 76-49. and 49. <laughs> How many lot. wins the Reds have? 69. Nice. You <laughs> set me up. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to go with the under as well. It's just because the way Milwaukee is playing, they're playing some real good baseball and they're beating some real good teams unlike um, the Reds. Like, they're beating teams as they should, but they're beating bums. And, you know, Milwaukee has proven that they can beat good teams. And, you know, who else is a good team? The Reds are a good team. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I think that Milwaukee's going to end up taking two or three. And, unfortunately, the Reds are going to be dropping two or three. All right. On to the next one. Ah, yes. To the NFL. Cincinnati Bengals head coach says he's not down on rookie receiver Chase, uh, Jamar Chase, after a slow start to the preseason. So over or under 800 receiving yards for the former LSU star wide receiver. Uh, my answer on this has nothing to do with his recent um, inability to catch the football. Now he had a good practice today. Look, yes, there's going to be ups and downs. And I've said this before. When you are drafted as high as Jamar Chase was, and when you look at the success of certain wide receivers taken in the first round of recent drafts, unfortunately, whether it is right or wrong, you will always have those that you will be compared to. And if Jamar Chase is not at least, keep in mind, Jamar, Justin Jefferson was not drafted number five overall. If Jamar Chase is not at least Justin Jefferson from a year ago, boobs like me and others will sit there and say he didn't live up to the hype. Now, again. We're talking one year's results for an entire career's worth of analysis. But for me, if he is not Justin Jefferson in year one, then the Bengals made a mistake. Because you have to, for me to buy into the Bengals making the right choice with Jamar Chase is that you are drafting Justin Jefferson. That you are drafting that impact. And if Jamar Chase doesn't make that impact, you can't convince me that they made the right pick whenever you look at the fact that they ignored a lot of their very important team needs, receiver not being one of those. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to say the under, not because I don't think he's good, not because I don't think he's going to be great big picture, but mainly because I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be successful if his only goal is to feed Jamar Chase the football. I saw Jamar, or that, uh, Joe Burrow threw a couple interceptions in practice because he was trying to force the ball to Jamar Chase during these struggles, which I get, which is why I've talked about Jamar Chase being the Odell Beckham of the Bengals, where you get that, that player in there that all of a sudden changes the momentum and flow of the offense. Now you have Joe Burrow who is trying to force the ball to his new number one wide receiver, and it totally takes Joe Burrow out of his element the way OBJ did Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrow last year was great because he just dropped back and he threw to whoever was open. Mm -hmm. Jamar Chase is now going to make Joe Burrow think, and I think when you are being forced to think on top of already playing a very fast reaction type sport, it's going to be tough, Kev. I'm going to say under. I think that for Joe Burrow to be successful, he has to you know drop the ball to whoever's open. And if he's trying to force Jamar Chase the ball, it's going to be very reminiscent of what we see in Cleveland with Baker and OBJ. So I'm going to say the under still has a solid year, but I think that it's going to have to be Boyd and T. Higgins, guys he already has a rapport with to help him stay in his comfort zone. I'm going to say the under. Oh, this is tough. So 908 yards for T. Higgins last year. Tyler Boyd had 840 yards. A.J. Green had 523 yards. Now, mind you, obviously Joe Burrow missed the back half of the season due to that injury. I'm going to go with the over because I don't think he's going to have a Justin Jefferson type of season with 
over 1,400 yards and like nine touchdowns. I think he's going to have a C.D. Lamb type of impact, a 70-something catch, a 900-yard production type of level, an impact on the team, but not like the impact of a 1,400 yards where he's hands down the number one guy from the go. You know what I'm saying? It's with Minnesota with Justin Jefferson it's him and Thielen and they don't throw the ball to anybody else outside of a screen pass to Dalvin Cook down in Dallas they got Cooper they got C.D. Lamb and they got I almost said Galladay what's the other receiver's name Oh, it's Gallup. Gallup. They got Gallup. So see, I, think I know gonna, my stuff. Yeah, look at see, you. You guys thought, oh, see, he's not a real Cowboys fan. <laughs> I know my stuff. So I, I watch think, Hard Knocks. I think, <laughs> I think it's going to be a situation <laughs> like that where I don't even know if more than one guy goes over 1,000 yards for the Cincinnati Bengals receiving. I think they're going to have a bunch of guys that go like to that 900-yard receiving mark. So I'm going to go with the over. Especially in today's game where it's a pass-heavy game. It's an extra game this season. So I'm going to go with the over for Chase. Well, the other reason, again, I keep holding him to that Justin Jefferson threshold, and I'm glad you brought up Adam Thielen because, too, it's like, oh, man, Cousins has so many weapons. You know, it's not going to be one player getting the overload. The fact that Justin Jefferson got 1,400 yards on its roster with Thielen, and don't forget Dalvin Cook Mm -hmm. because Dalvin Cook is another weapon that they use in the passing game as well. And that, you know, that's that new breed of of running backs that we see in today's game. The Bengals have one in Joe Mixon. Let's not leave Joe Mixon out of that conversation as well. So we're not just talking about uh, Jamar Chase having to split opportunities with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. It's also with, you know, um, with Joe Mixon. So that's the other reason I'm going to say under... I don't think I'm not saying that uh, that Chase needs 1,400 yards to to be a great player. Or I'm going to say he's not, but it's also going to come down to the flow of the offense. If you're slowing down the flow of the offense because Burrow feels he has to force feed you the ball, whether it's his fault or not, everyone blames Baker and Cleveland for that with OBJ and vice versa. So I'll, I'm curious to see how it'll be reacted to in Cincinnati. I think he's good. I think he'll be solid. I don't think he'll be great, which is why I was so critical of the draft pick to begin with. You take Jamar Chase later in the draft, I'm not criticizing anything. But because you took him number five overall, that's why I'm going to be very critical and very you know critical of if he's not Justin Jefferson at least. It was a bad pick, but I like the C.D. Lamb comparison too because he was also very effective in that offense, even with with uh, you know Gallup and some of those other receivers you talked about. On to number three, we'll stay in the NFL. Yeah, former well, not former former Ohio State Buckeye and current Bears quarterback Justin Fields was sacked twice in Saturday's preseason games. One of the knocks on Fields coming into the draft was him hanging onto the ball too long. So over or under Fields being sacked 15 times during his rookie season? Man, um. You like this one. <laughs> I'm going to say, now this all, and look at look at Shaw. Shaw disappeared. He went and researched a bunch of stuff on on the Dodgers and everything, and he's still talking about, uh, it's, it, I'll, I'll read your thing in a minute, Shaw. Hold on, Shaw. <laughs> Shaw's back, baby. Shaw, don't be messing up my over-unders. Man. Yeah, because now I'm all flustered. I'm all thrown off. I got distracted. So my ADD, you know, there, there it is. But, so Joe Burrow last year. Got sacked like the third most times of any quarterback. He got sacked the third most times of any quarterback in the NFL, and he only played nine and a half games. Like that's insane. The Bears' offensive line's not good, but it's not Bengals bad. So right off the bat, even if Justin Fields was the starter from day one, I would still be hesitant to say over on this. I'm going to say under because I believe, like I don't believe a lot of teams when they try to be stubborn and stick to their veteran quarterback over the better rookie. I believe the Bears are going out of their way to keep Justin Fields from being the guy for right now. 
I think they are trying to force feed that. You talked about it last week. He comes from that Andy Reid, you know, era where, you know, the Patrick Mahomes type thing, even though I disagree with that approach because I think that the Chiefs situation was way different than the Bears. I do think that they are trying to be, you know, to force feed this year. The other way Justin Fields gets on the field as a starter for a lot of consecutive games is if Andy Dalton goes down with an injury, which with that offensive line, that could potentially be the case as the season goes on. So I'm going to say under, but uh, yeah, I'm going to say under with the with the mindset of Andy Dalton's going to start the majority of the season. I don't think this is a situation where Justin Fields will be brought in a few games in. I think they want Andy Dalton to be the starter. I don't think they want to throw Justin Fields out there to risk getting injured knowing that they have that bad offensive line. The Bengals had to play Joe Burrow. They had nobody else to play behind that bad offensive line. Same thing in San Diego. Well, technically they did with Tyrod Taylor, but of course their doctor used him as a as a pincushion. Uh <laughs> Do we still not? Do people like not realize like how bad that was? Dude, they ruptured his whatever with the. What do they do again? Like, I, they they messed him up, and he's a heck of a guy, guy man. Like, he's a heck of a guy because he could have sued the organization for that dude, like straight like, up. If you start me, I won't sue you. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the over because I just cheated a little bit. Trubisky was sacked 18 times in 10 games. Nick Foles was sacked 18 times in 9 games. Now that's consistency. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the over because if they block anything like they did last year for their two QBs last year, Andy Dalton ain't going to make it through the season. We're going to see Justin Fields out there. So just boring off of that, I'm going to go with the over because I think Fields is going to end up playing because, one, I don't think they're going to be that good and eventually he's going to be put in there anyway. But the way they've been blocking, they might have to put him in there earlier because the Red Rifle might get hurt. So I'm going to go with the over. Did you see that Andy Reid played Patrick Mahomes the entire first half? Mm-hmm. Now, people got mad at that. I didn't like it, but everyone's overreacted. Justin Fields looks great. Look at the quarterback at the Jets. Uh, his baby face. Yeah, he looks like he's, yeah. <laughs> baby, he looks great. Nobody's playing starters in the NFL in the preseason. Like, nobody. Like, nobody. So when they're dicing up second and third string and potential guys who won't even be in the NFL come week one, it's hard to put stock into that. Patrick Mahomes is getting legitimate reps right now. And this, Baker Mayfield and others, Baker, while Baker Mayfield's warming up, into the season and week one against the Chiefs of all teams, that's not a good thing. When your quarter, like, I'm so Mick torn in the middle on this because, like, in reality, I'm all about protecting your quarterback, protecting your starters. But, like, Patrick Mahomes, if he keeps getting these heavy reps during preseason games, it's just going to be another day at the office come week one against the Browns, right? And he missed a no look pass uh, to Nico Harmon Should've in the looked. end zone. So I guess he's working on his no look passes. I'm with you. I understand that. And like, I'm torn. I'm in between. Like I, I don't get why because but you have to make a decision as an organization if you're going to play your starters or not play your starters because there's no sense of going out there with Baker Mayfield without uh, Landry without OBJ, without your starting guys that you're going to be throwing to. If those dudes aren't going to be out there, then he shouldn't be out there. There's no point. Like, to, to me at least. Like, so if you're not going to go out there with the guys that you're going to be throwing to in week one, you shouldn't be out there. Um, that's just how I feel. Like, I mean, you look at Tampa Bay, nobody. They're, they're returning all 22 starters. None of the 22 starters are playing in the preseason. Like, Shazamore. That's a luxury. That's definitely a luxury. Sorry, my ADD kicked in there real quick. <laughs> Shazamore. So, Shaw says, I'm so crazy and don't know anything. If the Dodgers have seven day games the rest of the season, the Reds have ten. 
God, is Google's on, man. Yeah, but the thing is, that's, we're talking about a three-game difference, moron. Like, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? Okay, we're almost out of time, so I want to <laughs> jump to, to number five uh, with the Ohio State quarterback situation. Last thing on what you just talked about, Kev. So, the one thing that's interesting about all of that is, talk about, I think everything's different team by team on whether you play your starters or not. When you have the best offensive line in football like the Chiefs do or one of them, you trust to send Patrick Mahomes out there who's going that best offense, one of the best offensive lines in football is going to be blocking second and third stringers. You should trust that they can keep Patrick Mahomes upright. The Bengals, this is why I know they're full of crap and do not actually believe in that offensive line. You're not going to throw Joe Burrow out there because you don't trust in your offensive line to protect him even against third and fourth stringers in the NFL. The Browns talks of playing Baker Mayfield with the starters come this third preseason game makes sense. Who are you fearing? You fearing third and fourth stringers getting to Baker Mayfield? If your offensive line's as good as you say it is, throw them out there, and I believe they're going to have that confidence to do it. But yeah, I see why the Bengals are hiding Joe Burrow, because they know that they can't hide him behind that offensive line, even against third stringers. So, bring on week one, please. All right, number five. <laughs> number five. Uh, head coach Ryan Day for the Ohio State Buckeyes, named CJ Stout. QB1 for the Buckeyes in a season opener 